notice it's Earth Hour? It's Earth Hour. I did notice that it's Earth Hour. What the fuck is Earth Hour? Ah, it looks like you're supposed to unplug. Oh. To well, help save the Earth. We're, so we're fucking up, we're, Matt. We're, oh, man, we're not, we're not saving. How about we... How about we take our Earth Hour after this recording? I suppose we could do that. I mean, I'm not, but we could. Yeah, but we could, though. Man, I drove, around, we did. I drove around with the air conditioner on all day today. Uh, I went to a yeah, movie theater, and that movie would have played anyway, so I guess that's fair. That's That one's fine. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly... Listen, the onus of saving the planet by using less electricity, in my opinion shouldn't be placed on us. Well, it's placed on everybody, but I do see where you're coming from. It should be placed on the corporate oligarchy. They are more actively destroying the planet. That is fair. They are. It's at least 98% their fault. Anyway. You don't watch Bambi, did you? Yeah, I did. Did you? You did? Okay, I did too. Does that mean that we can actually segue from talking about destroying into the the plant to talking about Bambi. Talking about Bambi? Yes, we that's can. Fucking great! Welcome oh, to Direct so Video. <laughs> VHS? VHS? Oh, a podcast where we pair movies like Fine Wine. And apparently also topics? Apparently we <laughs> Once in a blue moon, we pair topics like Fine Wine. Once in a blue moon, we talk about the themes of the movies we watch. Like, what? I I will say this mm-hmm. about Bambi, is that Bambi is one of the few movies where the entire time I was watching it, I was like, man, there's like a message here. Like, most Disney movies don't have like a, like a subtle theme on purpose, you know? Right. Like, they usually have one by accident, you know, like... Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, it's it's just about, it's like, don't trust strangers, but then, like, more subtly, it's kind of about always be friends with seven tiny people. I don't know. I I picked a really bad movie At one point, you kind of lost the plot there. I don't. Or I, think I did, maybe. I, <laughs> I don't actually know enough about Snow White to know about any, like, alternative, like, takes on it. But you bring up a good point. Which is that there is a plot, uh, there is a, not a plot, a theme to Bambi about not encroaching on the environment. Yeah, and it's, it's almost, this is kind of a depressing movie, but not in the way I thought it was going to be. Okay, my biggest complaint, after watching this again, I found I did not hate this movie as much as I thought I did. Maybe it was because the last movie we watched for this was The Swan (laughs) Princess Christmas. I oh my god even even Bambi 2's animation was mm-hmm. like I was just like oh this is this is great things feel like they're touching things yeah way better <laughs> um but <laughs> the things there's no plot in Bambi it's all just like stuff that might happen to a deer and I think I think that's definitely the point of of the original book that it was based on so, so for, for the listeners who aren't in the know, who aren't aware of this super deep Disney lore, um, God fucking, uh, Bambi is based off of a Austrian book called Bambi, A Life in the Woods. It was written by a man named, uh, Felix Sultan. I don't think that's his real name. I don't, I don't know what names are like in Austria, so it could be. 
Yeah, so his name was Felix Sultan, and uh, it was originally published in Austria in 1923. And it was published in English in 1928 by Mike Shulman, who was asked to do it by a guy named Max Schuster of Simon & Schuster Incorporated, a parent company of the CBS Corporation nowadays. They used to be book publishers. I think nowadays they mostly just do weird television. I kind of knew that second bit, but not the first bit. Yeah. The book was incredibly popular when it came out because it, it, it was considered to be a, a very big environmental novel. And all the novel did was follow kind of the life and times of this character, Bambi. That sounds like it sounds like I would enjoy that more as a book than as a movie, you know? So Yeah, and I, I think I will say this is apparently the book is even more like dark and because mm. it's 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 more about portraying the actual nature mm-hmm. of of being of, of being basically apex prey in a predator war in a predator's world you know yeah i was noticing in the movie that there are no deer hunting predators besides man the movie changes kind of the Obviously, this is an Austrian book. It originally took place in the Austrian wilderness. Mm. Kind of changed it to the North American for great forests of like Michigan, that kind of area of middle of the middle of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's it is very interesting that I, I think that the idea that the only uh, danger to deers is man is a very European thing. Where they accidentally killed all of their bears and wolves. Sure. On purpose. Look, we're doing a pretty good job of it, frankly. Yeah, but we stopped. And we're doing a pretty good job of letting them come. You know, we did you hear that the, we airdropped wolves into Yosemite National Park to help curb the... I think it was like the, the number of, uh, of uh, bison. Is that how we did it? That's awesome. Or was it moose? I think it was moose. Maybe it was elk? Was it elk? It was a, it was one of the big ones, but yeah, we airdropped wolves. What I learned about coming out here was um, apparently coyotes are really hard to kill. They are. They're uh, incredibly uh, cunning. And coyotes uh, don't kill deer as much as wolves do, but that's why coyotes are still around when wolves aren't. It's because uh, it's because they're just harder to to kill off. Well, they're they're. They're a, a coyotes are a scavenging animal as a, they're they're kind of a, an opportunistic predator as opposed to wolves which are pack hunters and openly predatory. That's also why wolves are easier to kill off. Yeah, because they'll uh, they'll just straight up they'll fuck your shit, man. Yep. Like a wolf ain't afraid of no ghosts or man or man ghosts. Some wolves are afraid of ghosts. I. <laughs> And I, I kind of want to talk about the differences between the book and the movie after we get through the first movie. But I will say sure. that this is, I think, one of Disney's fastest turnarounds on adapting a novel to the screen. Uh, the what book was it, had, like the, 12 years? Uh, about. Uh, Bambi came out in 1942. This book was originally published in 1923. So a little, a little under 20 years. Uh, but Disney had been wanting to make this film since the since they finished production on Snow White. Mm. So this was going to be the second Disney animated film. That's odd because they're such different movies. Snow White, for instance, has a plot. But also, like, it's odd because now you think of... Uh, how... Dis- yeah. I just, how much more of a plot does Snow White really have than this movie? 
well, there's a witch trying to kill a girl. That's that's drama, man. <laughs> this movie's got some drama, though. Yeah, but like, okay, we'll this get into it when we get into it. But the drama overtures. of this movie happens in like the the end of the movie. Yeah, that's true. This movie really kind of leads to a great climax. Well, I was gonna say though is it's interesting because now we think of there are like two kinds of Disney movies, right? There's the princess movie and there's the animal adventure movie. Mm-hmm. And it's odd to think that like yeah, first they made a princess movie, then they did an animal adventure movie, and then they just kept doing those two things. <laughs> well, there was a brief period in time where they did both at the same time. Oh my god, can we not? Can we not talk about? You don't want to talk about Saludos Amigos or the Three Caballeros? Oh, I we 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 might be able to talk about the the Three Caballeros, but I was thinking about how in Cinderella there were just extended scenes with the mice for no reason. Oh yeah, that's right. Jesus Christ, I forgot about that. Yep, yeah, that's not what I meant at all. That's bad. I I will say I think rewatching Bambi definitely elevated it from where it used to be in my mind. Like to me, Bambi was one of the forgettable Disney movies, and I think it's. I have a little bit more respect for it now. It's definitely not one of the ones that I'm... It's definitely nowhere near my favorites, but I respect it a lot more than I used to. There are things I like about Bambi, but what my issue with it, and probably the best thing about it, is it's basically like a really, really long Fantasia scene. Yes! Good animation and good music, and it goes on for a while. <laughs> Seriously, so much of this movie takes its ode from Fantasia in a lot of ways that I really liked, though, because I love Fantasia. Uh, I think the the weirdness of Fantasia as a musical experiment is super mm. cool, and I'm really sad that Disney hasn't done that a third time. I mean, because the second time was kind of an abject critical failure, but I liked the second one, too. Uh, we'll have to do those one day. Uh, but the things I do enjoy about Bambi is kind of... We've gone over some of this stuff before, but, like seeing how it would influence other disney movies there is so much in this movie that i looked at it and i'm just like this is i can see where another disney movie would take this scene and make it a little bit better and their own right like when they were making lion king apparently the nickname for it was um bamblet because <laughs> they're like oh well, we're doing bambi hamlet okay well all right well bamblet that's bamblet. great i yeah. love that I when I was in middle school, a friend of mine uh, allowed me to read a fan fiction written by his older brother called Bambo. Would you like to guess? Is it Bambi and Dumbo? <laughs> no, that would have been a wait, lot less good. Wait a second. Wait a fucking second. Is it Bambi Rambo? Yes. Okay, that's much less terrifying to me. (laughs) The plot of his, the plot of the fan fiction, as I remember it, these nine or so odd years later, God, I'm old. Yeah, you're ancient. Is that after Bambi's mother passed away, Bambi picked up a gun and avenged her, a la Rambo, which (laughs) I found it very funny that SNL decided to make the same joke with rock Dwayne the johnson like two years ago i think i don't know if you saw that the live action bambi skit from snl i don't think i did but you know it it rings very familiar 
it's 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 good and i remember watching that and going i i read that joke like <laughs> a decade ago and get it's still kind of funny does your front brother maybe work at snl now i don't think so probably not no like i met the dude he wasn't an outgoing kind of guy so you want to get into this movie or do we have more stuff that I maybe? Uh, I think I have a couple of, of little things. Yeah. Just a couple of little things. First is that uh, there was a big copyright issue with the book. Basically, the book was published originally in 1923. So it, it originally didn't fall under the uh, copyright, the newer copyright laws that Disney helped establish. And okay. so it should have been considered a public domain work in like... I want to say 2016. Oh, because Disney has been changing the the rules for public domain. But but Walt Disney himself actually argued. So here so Walt Disney did something crazy. First they argued that the original book which was filed in Austria without copyright notice was considered public domain automatically. Okay, that's that's because super he, sketchy. Because he want because he was getting sued. The 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 owners of the copyright then counter then countered that with the American version of the publication wasn't uh, didn't happen uh, happened later because it happened later it definitely did follow uh, occur after the deadline in 1954. Right. It, it's okay. Let me read this. I'm just gonna read this word for word. Okay. I fucking hate legalese. The case was reviewed by the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California, which ruled that the novel was copyrighted upon its publication in 1923 and not a public domain work then. However, in validating 1923 as the publication date, this confirmed Disney's claim that the copyright renewal was filed too late and the novel became a public domain work in 1951. Twin Books appealed the decision, and in March 1996, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit reversed the original decision, stating the novel was a foreign work in 1923 that was not in its home country's public domain when it was published. Therefore, the original publication date could not be used. Instead, the 1926 publication date, in which it specifically declared itself to be copyrighted in the United States, was considered the year when the novel... You could just get rid of all of this. Basically, uh, Disney lost the lawsuit. But because of that, the American copyright of the novel won't expire for another three years. So Disney got fucked by his own copyright laws. That is wild. So yeah, I'm glad that Disney got fucked by his own copyright laws. But also, it's really depressing that, that this book is not publicly accessible for another three years yeah shit happens everybody will just have to read jane austen again yeah which i mean it's a good it's a good it's a good uh so the movie when it originally came out in 1942 was a financial failure by four thousand dollars so close part of the reason was that in 1942 there was something big going on uh let me look up what it was World War Two right. was happening right. all over the rest of the world, so they couldn't show it in Europe or Japan because either we were at war with them or they were too bombed out to really think about going to watch a nice movie. Uh, but the movie ended up gaining a, a, a wider release, I think, in 1944, and since then it's been considered a classic. I want to talk about the director for a bit. Okay. Uh, mostly because I'm going to talk about the director uh, for a bit in the next movie, and so I feel like I should be uh, fair. <laughs> uh, David Hand was the supervising director. Officially, this movie had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven directors. Um, That's too many other directors, than guys. Each, well, six of the directors uh, directed individual sequences of the movie, with David Hand kind of being the overarching director mm-hmm. who was in charge of making it kind of a whole product. 
which uh, this was a practice that I think Disney kept up until kind of once we start hitting the the 60s in which they had different directors for different sequences of the film and they kind of transitioned to the more traditional structure of having a director or two directors in charge of the milieu of the uh, animation department. Yeah, well, as they went on, I bet, I don't really know, but I bet that animation got sort of less complicated. Because just the opening has this, like, a. Uh, I saw a video of how they did it. You you might have seen the same one. Is it the, the glass and how they did all of the panoramics? Yeah, yeah. I, I, where they, like, draw the scene four times and stack them on each other so so it it doesn't look realistic but the the drawing still pops out at you it it gives you the effect of dimension and it works it works super good it works very well but um i don't think they kept doing that for forever so like as stuff like that probably became less popular they probably needed like less oversight bambi was still in the era of animation where they were trying to figure out what was like what they could do, but also what was worth doing, mm-hmm. you know, like in terms and I don't mean in terms of art, I mean, in terms of money, obviously, like this movie's fucking gorgeous, but you can't make every movie like that because the, the, there's no money to be made, which is a shame because I think I wish more movies looked the way this movie did. Um, but it makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Disney is a business, but there's also just a lot of weird stuff that this movie does that feels very experimental and in a way that later movies just don't feel. Like, this movie only has, I think, a thousand words of dialogue. Oh my god, there's... That's the thing that made it feel like such a slog to me. Honestly, there oh. was a lot of dialogue, and most of it was done by the most annoying character. Well, other than my agreement with the most annoying character part, I, I definitely think the lack of dialogue was really nice. It just... It kind of felt like I was just kind of zoning out and watching, like, a super cool Windows screensaver. <laughs> and I was really digging it. That's just not what I look for in my movies. <laughs> That's not a movie, man. It's art. So, uh, the only no, other movie, David... Art, Andy. Uh, David Hand had a very... Art. David had a very pretty long career, but I think the only other movie he had a supervising director credit on, the only other film that he was supervising director on, like full-fledged animated film, was Snow White. He basically did those two movies. All right, let's get into it. Let's talk about this. uh, Yeah, man. Let's talk about this movie. We do the uh, opening credit sequence. Did you miss the terrible... Did I already miss something? Did you no, I was gonna say, did you just miss the, the, the old Disney opening with the terrible singing over it? You know, this one wasn't as egregious as like the Peter Pan one. Mm-hmm. This one had more and this is true for almost I, I would say, you know, all the music in this movie. It has some really I don't even know how to classify the vocals. It's almost like haunting vocals. Yes. It's a melancholic Yeah sound. But it's also kind of overtaken by the music, by by the instruments, which I found a lot easier to forgive. Definitely. The the singing wasn't at the front. Mm -hmm. I I still think that first song sucks. I think it's reprises a lot better. So, yeah, it has been a while. I think since Cinderella, since we had a real good sit and just just a five-minute opening credit sequence... Mm-hmm. 
God, but that that it, that first shot of the woods though, where mm-hmm. it's just kind of it feels like you're walking through it, like you're you're getting closer and closer to this event that's happening. It's really excellent. Man, movies just don't look like that anymore. That's true, but also here's the thing. So the opening to Bambi is a lot like the opening to Lion King. Yes. In fact, when they made Lion King, I am 100% certain they just stole Bambi. But it's what's kind of jarring is at no point do the animals look like super realistic. And th- this is just this is just from growing up with the Lion King. It's not even a knock against mm-hmm. this movie because it's it's a style that the movie has. Yeah. But like in the Lion King, all the animals look really realistic until they start talking. And in this they don't. In fact, there is a really, really off-model opossum. Yes. <laughs> the possums are, like, super cute, and opossums don't look like that. They are gross. Yeah, well, it's, it's just the beauty of nature, though, man. They are weird trash rats. No, I agree. Possums are, uh, they're awful little things. They're disgusting little creatures. <laughs> I Very creepy. But they look great in this movie. I will say there's kind of a majesty to the whole film. Despite the fact that nothing really ever happens in it, it feels like it's a movie. It feels like it's a movie about something. You know, does does that make sense? I will say that it makes sense because I but kind it... of get what you're saying, but I feel like you said the wrong thing. Okay. Uh, the movie has such such a it has such a tone to it. Mm-hmm. It is like so Bambi and nothing else. Even the parts that look like Fox and the Hound or Lion King are still so Bambi that, I don't know, it really just cements it as itself for me, even though really nothing happens, and it's it's amazing to watch a movie where nothing has happened the whole time. Yeah, uh, up until the last, I think, 20 minutes of the film. Uh, 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 uh. It's like 10 <laughs> I was going to say 10, but I wanted to give it a little more... I am de- I kept looking at the time, like, when does something happen? Oh, okay. <laughs> it was so weird. Uh, yeah. Uh, we get to meet a talking owl. Another talking owl. Yeah, I fucking... And here's the thing, I knew this owl would be back in the sequel. He is not important, except that we focus on him a little bit more than the other talking animals. And so I yeah. knew he would have an actual character in the in the second movie. Same. I wish he didn't, though, because it kind of breaks the continuity that this film sets up. Also, he, like, kind of sucks in the second movie compared to the first one. In the first movie, he's just kind of a curmudgeon, you know? He's kind of a, like, angry old uncle. Yeah. Like, there's this great thing where when he sees... He sees Bambi. Everybody goes to see Bambi. Mm -hmm. It kind of feels like he's somebody important in the forest. Even though he doesn't do anything important in the movie. It kind of just feels yeah. like he is. Then he goes to see Bambi, and he, he I think, acts like an older uncle would. To the point where he even eventually, like, scares all the other animals away. Yes. Uh... Because, like, it's it's the, the kids trying to sleep, you know? Yeah. The thing that I do like about this scene is that what it felt like to me was a lot like when somebody brings a baby home, and everybody's fawning over the baby... And then that's, like, it. Like, they really captured that uh, sort of feel. I just don't know if it's a necessary thing to have captured. 
Well, I I I definitely agree, and I that it captures that feeling. Um, mm-hmm. I just I, I feel like this entire movie feels like a thing that maybe didn't need to be. Um, <laughs> but but uh, obviously, just from like the the amount of work that went into it, a lot of there's a lot of things that this movie inspired. Mm-hmm. that it kind of like it, it it kind of this movie kind of had to exist first in order for later Walt Disney animated films to to do other things and to take some risks that I don't think they would have been able to take if this movie hadn't done them first. Yeah. The anatomy of the deer in this movie is so striking. It's very good. I I lived next to deer all my life and yeah, yeah, and they look they like move deer. Like that. <laughs> and apparently that was a real uh bitch of a thing to do. Yeah. Like the one of the animators said that in Snow White when they had an, when they animated deer in it that that they were quote like big flower sacks. <laughs> what? And Dis- I know, I kind of want to see that now. But Disney, Walt Disney was like we got to make these animals look as real as fuck. So he got an animal painter to come in and lecture his animators. He, oh. And then he also set up a small zoo at the studio mm-hmm. with animals just at the ready to be examined so that the artists could see them move and express. I think eventually Mark Davis, uh, who it was credited <sighs> you with. You know, I got to tell you, man. Yeah. When I was watching this movie, I did some impromptu research on white-tailed deer. And apparently they're really cool to have as pets sometimes. Do you want one? No, I'm mad that they had a zoo and not just, like, a white-tailed deer walking around the studio. Oh, like, you're mad that there was a zoo place instead of just... Instead of just a fucking deer. Just chilling. Yeah. I would have loved it. Uh, Apparently, though, same problem with deer as you get with a lot of other animals. Adolescent males get mean. Yeah, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. Mark Davis was the one who eventually kind of settled on the design for Bambi and all of the other deer, basically kind of being able to combine a more expressive face with mm-hmm. the very realistic anatomy without making it look too too cartoonish. The The point of the movie was to keep it grounded in reality. I don't know, like to, to go from Snow White and Pinocchio and Fantasia to making this very grounded in reality film is such a... It's like a, it, it, I think a lot of people felt like it was a step backwards for Disney. I don't agree with that, but I can see why people wouldn't want it. Some of Disney's best movies, and I don't think this is one of them, but some of Disney's best movies are really grounded in reality like that, though. Although one of the ones I just thought of is technically a Pixar movie, so. We haven't even gotten to like the first 20 minutes of this movie, but it's fine because we're just going to breeze through it. We are. Nothing happens in this movie, guys. Don't worry about it. We're not going to describe all the musical cues. So like that's 40 minutes not there. Yeah, there's I think every sequence in this movie is just like a new musical. It's like a new walking with dinosaurs, right? Like it's just (laughs) orchestral music perfectly timed to the events unfolding on screen, which is great. And very interesting in some places. There's not really much to talk about there. For some reason, watching raindrops fall and having a bell go off each time one of those falls stresses me the fuck out. I, (laughs) I, I agree. And I got, like, really 
re- like, not mad exactly, but like... <sighs> Just tense. I, I got pretty tense watching the damn rain one. I was like, Bambi, go to sleep so I don't have to watch this stupid rain. Yeah, so Bambi is born, and we kind of zoom into this imposing uh, stag standing on a cliff in the distance. Ooh, who could he be? Yeah, more about him later. More or less? <laughs> and some might say we get nothing at all about him It's in this interesting movie. because he's the most deer-looking deer in the movie, and I feel like it was on purpose to make him more austere. You, you know what it, he feels like? He feels like, and and maybe it's just because it's like th- there's like a a mysteriousness to him that it reminds me of the 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 sequences in the third Harry Potter book and movie with the the stag and the Patronus stuff. Yeah, okay, I can see that. It, it doesn't help that he's always standing in like mist. <laughs> Bambi learns to walk. It's very adorable. He goes walking in a later scene. I want to jump ahead a little bit to the next scene where he's walking out with his mom. And he takes a walk with Thumper. And Thumper is a rabbit. That's all you need to know about Thumper. Very good. Everybody will love that. I'm sure it's going to look great on... uh... And this is the first time I got annoyed by the pacing. Because it's 15 minutes in and Bambi starts speaking his first word. Yeah, man. This movie, it's like walking up a sand dune. (laughs) Like, it takes you a while to get up to the top, but it it doesn't take you that long to then fall back down. Get down the other side. Yeah. Yeah. The crazy thing to me really was, watching this movie, is that after he learned to talk, he kind of didn't. Bambi has, like, maybe the third most lines in this movie after Thumper and his mom. Yeah, it is incredible. I want no. I think he has less lines than Faylene. Gosh, you might be right. She's very energetic. She's very talkative. Yeah, like there is only one deer with less lines than Bambi. Two deer with less lines than Bambi. I'll say there's another deer. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. I, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I forgot about his dad. <laughs> oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. Um. We'll get there. I think it's assumed that that's his dad. Okay, but we don't know for sure until later when he just looks at him and he's like, follow me, my son. And then, like, my heart broke. I was like, ah, I can't believe this. I can't believe I fell for it again. (laughs) I hadn't seen this movie in so fucking long. I didn't know there was a fake out. So the first time that they go out onto the meadow, I was like, here it comes. Here it comes. I was like, is she seriously gonna die we don't know anything about this character yet i can't believe she dies this early and then she doesn't i was like damn we're only fucking 10 minutes into this movie and she's already gonna biff it i can't (laughs) handle this right now and then they barely escape and i was like fuck this movie oh actually we should talk for a second a brief second to introduce flower because that's literally the amount of time they give him flower is a skunk named flower and his name is flower because bambi named him that and that's it he shows up two more times and doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. He shows up two more times, and the second time, he gets laid. Oh, actually, no, there's a third time he shows up, and it's revealed that his son is named Bambi, which is pretty cute. Which is super adorable, and I love it. But, like, I don't know anything about Flower. <laughs> like, he's, like, bashful, and that's it. Yeah. But if we're if we're in the meadow scene, where we have met Faylene and, uh, and, and... 
Bambi's mom has not gotten shot. We also see the Great Prince. Yeah. And what's really weird that I'd never picked up before is Bambi's mom tells him about the Great Prince. And do you remember when the Great Prince's big claim to fame is? Uh, no one has lived half as long. Yeah. He's just old. Also, looking at him, he's not that old, which, like, sucks. I I do think, though, that, right, like, it's a testament to the what the life of being a deer is. Like, how many deer get to live to be full adults in a world where they're constantly being hunted? Yeah. There's some parts of this movie that, if done differently, could be a horror movie. It is absolutely, like, when we get to some later stuff in the second movie... Yeah, definitely. Um, in this one and in the second movie. Yeah, both of them. I will say, though, I do like the line. I wrote down the whole line that his mom said because I thought it was super interesting, which was, mm-hmm. Of all the deer, not one has lived half so long. He is very brave and very wise. That is why he is known as the Great Prince of the Forest. And that is some Dark Souls level shit. <laughs> like, the it tells you absolutely jack shit about anything. <laughs> Like, that doesn't seem like like a note that you'd find after you murdered a monster in Dark Souls. Yeah, right, and you, like, pick up up a sword, and it it just says that in the item description, and you're like, the fuck? Alright, cool. I can't use it because I don't have enough dexterity, so I'm just gonna throw it in my inventory. And it turns out it's about some insane alien or something, because that's how the Dark Souls universe works. No, that's Bloodborne is aliens. Whatever, I don't care. Dark Souls is, you know, the deep manifestations of human despair. All right. Come on, man. <laughs> I just I do I just love the way that it's phrased, right? Cuz like like if you if you think about it, if you really think about it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. But we get to see him in action, which is pretty cool. Yes, the color shift when Yes. I got some fucking like into the Spider-Verse vibes, <laughs> which is unfair because Into the Spider-Verse came out not 80 years after this movie yeah but no but yeah like the entire time i was like oh wow the 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 fact that the only other movie i can think of that does something nearly this radical with its color palette is into the spider-verse a movie that came out this year this past year yeah that's insane to me so he senses the hunters i think he hears them and then he sees the crows yes and so he runs and he warns the warns the herd Bambi and his mother are separated, and, like, in one of the first sort of, I guess, nods that Bambi does mean something specific to the prince, besides the fact that they're both a prince, he, like, gathers Bambi and his mother and, like, runs them out of the meadow. And it's, like, a tense scene. It's it's a good action scene. I wish there was more shit like this in this movie, because there straight up isn't. Yeah, we're not gonna see anything nearly this exciting for another hour, folks, so <laughs> buckle up. I just wrote this amazing direction. Oh, fuck. Ah, beans. Great. Uh, my son. Oh, right, this is when the mom dies. Cool. Before she dies. Before she dies, Before we, she get dies. Some, we get some winter stuff. Yeah, we get some winter stuff. I wish winter was still as long as it was in this movie, man. But, um, Tish, get it? Because we're all gonna die. Yeah, happy Earth Hour, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Tis the reason for the season. I just wanted to mention, I didn't know that white-tailed deer ate bark during winter. It makes sense. You didn't? But I guess, well, see, in my neighborhood, they mostly ate birdseed. Deer are actually opportunistic carnivores. Yeah, I know that about deer. They'll straight up eat, like, chicks and stuff. 
I I want to see the scene where Bambi has no, to eat Thumper to survive the winter. All right, great. But Thumper, but Thumper like is willing. He's like, no, you have to do this. It's the only way you can survive. Anyway, um, it'd be very Shakespearean. Uh, Bambi's mom gets shot. So here's the thing: as a as a savvy viewer of television and movies, not seeing her get shot, it's so weird, right? Because it it t- my brain says, oh, she's still alive. But I know that she's not. Nobody, no crime. And yet... It's so weird because you have to infer that she's dead. Because you hear a shot, you don't see a body. And I'm not saying it's like a huge leap in logic, but kids watch this and they would definitely be confused. They... The, the, the fact that I, as a viewer, have to put the pieces together that, that this... That Bambi's mom is fucking dead... Is fine because I'm a grown ass man. I can deal with that shit. But if a kid has to do that, that is jarring as hell. And the weirdest thing to me, the really the weirdest thing, is that this is the part of the movie not only that everybody remembers, but that is like the closest thing to real plot. And you have to like piece it together. If I didn't know that Bambi's mom died, because everyone knows that Bambi's mom dies, mm-hmm. it's like the number one big like. Could you imagine walking into this movie, not knowing anything about the book that it was based on, and then just realizing as we skip forward into the most jarring scene transition in all of history, oh, oh shit, she dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shit, oh man, oh no. I want to talk briefly about the book, though, because okay. the book has has some, has some differences. The biggest difference is what happens after... After his mother dies, which is I was, that... I was going to say she does not have any other given name, if that's what you were searching for. I was I was trying, but no, she has no name, not even in the book. I was hoping maybe the book would have something, but no. Um, after the after his mom dies, he's he takes he gets taken care of by his aunt. And then the book kind of goes into his adolescence before kind of cutting to his later life. Mm-hmm. But it is implied that in his adolescence he was bullied and harassed, and that he never really fit in with the other males in the herd because he didn't have a mom huh that's heavy this is the part where the book kind of leans into the 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 idea that you know like nature is cruel mm-hmm. because the reality is is that oftentimes animals who are left to fend for themselves without their mothers are alienated and it's it's kind of unclear as to why in as far as i can tell Huh. Like maybe somebody has written a really interesting scientific paper on why this happens, but I do think it's interesting. Like this isn't just a thing that happens to deer; it happens to pretty much all herd or pack animals. Andy, do we need to write down a new, a different kind of specialist that we need to get on this podcast? We need a deer specialist. We or need a like a herd deer mentality specialist. Parent specialist. We need a maternal specialist. We need somebody who is a specialist on both human maternity and also animal maternity Mm -hmm. and so so after this he has to get he gets his second set of antlers so the the movie basically skips an entire year of harassment to him just reuniting with Faelene well what I like about the movie is when I looked up White Tail Deer it said they take about a year and a half to reach maturity Mm -hmm. and the movie feels like it takes about a year and a half like I get what you're trying to get at here and it's that you think the movie's too long but no, that wasn't what I meant. The movie is Feels I wouldn't say like the movie takes... is too long. The movie the movie 
takes a while, but it's entirely because of musical interludes. I would say that this movie was, I think, one of the fastest movies I've ever seen for this show. I think the timeline of the movie is about a year and a half. Oh, that's what you're trying to say. I thought you were trying to say this. Uh, this movie dragged on for a year and a half. No, the movie dragged on, but also the <laughs> timeline was about a year and a half. Yeah, no, it's one of the few Disney movies where the the time frame that the movie sets up makes sense. Yeah, and I I actually really enjoyed that. It made me really annoyed watching the second movie when they clearly ignored that to keep Bambi yeah. a child longer. Well, they got they had to, man. They did not. It could have that could have all taken place during winter. They could have. They could have. We'll talk about this later. But they could have made a movie about two entirely different characters who are children. Oh yeah, I guess we could talk about that, huh? But they tried that with with Simba's pride, and it didn't work. I think it did work. First of all, Dustin off an old argument. Don't. I was, I was going to say, don't <laughs> slip that in. How dare you? Oh, that movie's great. Speaking of Bambi growing up, do you want to jump to the next bit? This next song is startlingly annoying. It is like a, such a big whiplash from like this child having to kind of come to terms with the death of their mother to animals are fucking. You know what got me through this song? The owl? Uh, no, it was as soon as I saw this, as soon as I saw like the birds chirping, everybody's like, oh, spring is here. I thought of the Jonathan Colton song, First of May. <laughs> Jesus. Which, God, I I guess I have to say the punchline to First of May now. It's a song specifically about fucking outside. What got me through this particular musical interlude was the owl just kind of waving his arms around like, Hey, stop fucking in my tree. <laughs> stop it. Stop. Yeah, he was he was really not for this. I was really, I really so, felt that. Here's the thing that got me. me about this scene, though. The owl leaves his tree because he's like, damn, these birds, they won't stop. And he goes and hangs on a smaller tree and he sees Bambi. Bambi's all grown up now. And Owl says, I had just been saying to myself, what had become of you? And then Thumper shows up and Thumper's like, remember me? And I want to know something. Did Bambi leave? So... That's that's the thing is I think the implication of this movie that the second movie completely breaks uh-huh is that when Bambi's mom died Bambi just fucking disappeared. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess. To live with well, and and I guess the reason for that is because he went to live with the great prince and I assume the great prince is a very private man, dear individual. Or heck maybe maybe the great prince knowing how dear work Sent him off to live where to live somewhere where they wouldn't realize he was an orphan. It's like here, random doe. This is your new kid. And that was it. Was very weird because again, that was another like that could have been an actual plot point. Because stopping to think about it, Bambi's mom died, mm-hmm. which was the, the the first thing in the movie that could have been an inciting action, mm-hmm. and then. They sort of just jumped over all consequences, what all the consequences from that might have been. And now yes. he's grown up and uh, apparently, y- you know, relatively healthy. And he got over it. Y- you know, he's worked past whatever you need to work past when something wet like that happens. And now he's an adult and he's just going to go meet a girl. 
Yeah, man. He's tis. It's the season for cajoling, my dude. They all gotta catch that Twitter fever. I am confused by Owl's campfire story description of falling for someone. Owl sounds like the kind of person who either never fell in love. Or fell in love once. Or fell in love once and it ended really badly. It was bad. It was it was just a hard pass after that for him. He warns the three of them that it's the reason for the season that all these people are fucking and that and that if they're not careful they could be fucking too he says twitter patient but like we all get it we're all adults here we've all been on twitter we know what happens there yes this podcast is marked explicit you all know they start walking through the forest heads held high and immediately they are picked off one by one by guerrilla warfare okay here's the thing here this is the okay i want to mention something this is the, I would say, second bit of the movie after the panic, tense run scene and uh, his mom dying. This is the second bit of the movie that could conceivably be redone as a horror film. <laughs> In which your friends are slowly picked off one by one by women? It's just... The female creatures in this scene come across as so predatory to me. They are on the prowl, They are fucking ready. Flower has no chance. The thing that really gets me is it's not really done for laughs because it's not funny. It's not funny. But it's it's so almost done for laughs. It is like on the verge of being a joke, but it never really crosses the threshold. It's kind of just more done in the sense of like, that's just how it is in the animal kingdom, you know? Yeah. So everybody meets significant others. A girl. And um, Bambi meets Faelene again. Yes. And now she's an adult. And, and he's Bambi an adult. is into that. Yeah, they fucking. Well, not before he has a brief fight with... Uh... Well, no, 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 no. First he gets his head in the clouds. That's true. In a very... I... Yes. I loved that so much because I was like, I, I saw this happen. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it took me it took me like a good two seconds to go, oh, his head's in the clouds. That's funny. Okay. In like a way that it's not funny. But then there's like a hard <laughs> exit when he runs into the bushes and then just, man, deer. Yeah, so he fights this deer, which I'm assuming yeah. is supposed to be Rocco. <laughs> Or I'm assuming that they that they uh, redid this deer for the next movie and gave it a name. They they definitely did that, but in this movie, he's just angry deer. He's just a random deer. He just he just also wants to bone. I mean, that's how it works in the animal kingdom. But Bambi's like, nah, man, we're about to get into one of the most confusing fight scenes ever directed, <laughs> in which you won't really know who's winning and who's losing until the very end. Because they look exactly the same. They do. Apparently, the way you can tell who's winning and who's losing is based on the colors that are flashing in the background. Oh. All right. But that only really works if you, uh, what's the word? Lead up to that? You can't just do it and hope for the best? I don't, I feel like I sort of actually got that because one of the colors is like darker. It's like, oh, bad guy Yeah, there was like like, you know? like a kind of a maroon reds and yeah. others were like kind of these bright greens and yellows. Yeah, but uh, it's still hard to parse it. But Bambi ends up winning and he throws this unnamed deer 
into a ravine. And the deer is fine. Yeah, he just kind of gets up and shakes it off like, well. And then uh, I, we see another scene from The Lion King. This last one was kind of a scene from The Lion King if it was done not as good. But yeah. It was basically just a scene with some really somber they fucking music. <laughs> that really ramps up into oh they fucking territory. But it starts off very sad. Ah, <laughs> oh, so man is coming into the forest. So now I want to talk about something else that happens in the book that doesn't happen in the movie. Okay. Because this part is fucking insane. So Bambi and Faleen fall in love, right? Sure. And they're like spending all this time together. Uh, and like the prince keeps teaching Bambi stuff about like, like this is how you survive in the wilderness. Sure. Don't, don't just run, don't just rush into things. You never know what's going to happen. When he was a kid, one of his friends named Gobbo, Gobo, he Gogurt. disappears when when the hunters enter the forest midwinter. So he's a character that's not in the movie at all. But he was he had re- he returned to the forest in the summer. He was raised by a man who found him collapsed in the snow, and he considers himself a friend of man. <laughs> and the old prince and Bambi are like, "Nah, dude, you're high on some shit, man. You can't trust those. You can't trust man." <laughs> and a but but Gobo's like convinced. He's like, nah, like this one raised me and was so kind to me. Like there's no possible way all that man could all be evil. So he ends up mating with like an, like his old friend from when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. But then a couple of weeks later, he approaches a hunter in the meadow and mm-hmm. is shot by a hunter. Because he was under the impression that all men would keep him safe. And that teaches Bambi like, oh, okay, so I can never trust men. And then also he kind of starts becoming more reclusive and starts just avoiding failing completely. Oh, uh, that's kind of a weird takeaway from that. The don't trust man thing I got, like, yeah, 100%. Well, he, well, because he kind of realized, like, oh, if I get together with somebody and then die, that's, that would suck for that person. So I'm just gonna cut out the middleman, no pun intended, and leave. That's kind of a shitty choice, Bambi. Mm. One person can't make that choice. That's a two-person choice. It says here he still loves her in a melancholic way, which is some fucking Lord Byron-ass shit. That is some Lord Byron-ass shit. Also, I feel like I don't hear the phrase melancholic unless it is specifically referring to outdated ways to treat your body. I like the word melancholy. I like the word melancholy. I feel like melancholic. Are you thinking of the word choleric? No. Or choleric? I'm thinking of melancholy. Because melancholy is about the type of bile you have in your body. Because we got all of our shit from Greeks. Sanguine. That's another one. Yeah. (laughs) That I really like. And like... So I like melancholy because I can use it without thinking about that. But melancholic sounds like a medical condition. And so it brings that to mind. Okay. It might just be me tripping over words. It might just be you, but it's cool, man. Just like knowing too much about about how the Greeks tried to do medicine. Hey, I get it, man. I've been really into the Romans recently. So that's kind of something I'm having to work through. You cut out there. So if there was a punchline, it was hilarious. Trust me. No, there was no punchline. I've just been really into the Romans lately. Okay. So, man's in the forest. God, so I love the complete absence of any human bodies in this movie. Yes, that is the other thing that makes it feel like a horror movie to me. 
it's so good it's such a good idea do you know that uh originally walt disney wanted to show the hunters dead after the fire i did not know that but that makes sense apparently one of his animators said all right you want them crispy or well done and then he said you know what maybe you don't (laughs) (laughs) i love that animator who was super into it though (laughs) i don't know if he was super into it or if he like super knew it wouldn't work either way i like to think that he was super into it you do you man Apparently, there was like an entire 12 minutes of, of this movie that were just completely removed uh, at toward the end, hmm. just because they didn't have the money to do it. So man is in the uh, man is in the forest. They have a looks like a little hunting village starting to pop up. I think it's just a camp. Yeah. Well, either way, the deer got to leave there starts to be shooting. This is the other scene that could be a horror movie. And then fire. <laughs> I need to be clear here. We're now in the last 10 minutes of the movie. And we're going to spend a while here. Let's pull over to the side of the road and really admire it. As I watched this, I thought this fire really should have been the inciting action for the movie and not the climax of it. If the beginning of the movie had been about part of the forest burning down or man coming into the forest and then having to deal with the fallout from that, then it could have been a movie with a plot. But it's not. That happens at the end. And then the movie just ends after it. So here's the thing that I want to kind of talk about is I want to go back to the people aspect of this movie and their, mm-hmm. their lack of presence. Humans in this movie are a force opposed to nature, right? They're like an external evil that mm-hmm. cannot be seen and therefore cannot be fought. There's no interaction. Yeah. They they exist in the nether in an almost kind of Satan Right? Like, they're pulling strings, but you can't see them. And they send out these agents of evil to do their bidding in the more physical realm. That's actually something I don't like. I don't like the dogs. Because I felt like whenever the dogs showed up, that was something you could fight. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it took away from that feeling of... That feeling. Of sort of, like, nameless fear around these humans. There is a big problem that if you have a if you have a, a villain if you have a not a villain but yeah a villain a villain that's it's a villainous force that's so strong and so powerful it's almost like a what's the word like a like a mystical arts <laughs> like a this amorphous magical orb of evil uh huh it's almost like that. <laughs> What I was trying to say was, there is kind of a problem when you have this villainous force, it's intangible, how do you successfully conclude it in a way that's satisfying? And and the problem is, is because this is a movie about being a deer in the modern nature, you can't conclude it. Because at the end of the day, the deer always lose. Yeah, the most a deer can do is survive. The most a deer can do is live to be old enough that it dies of old age. I mean realistically it's the most any of us can do but yeah but it's a lot harder for deer (laughs) but like as we go along we can murder each other with axes because we invented axes and deer haven't invented shit yeah but we have invented axes and we can murder deer with axes exactly (laughs) it makes it like how would you even begin to tell this story in a way that that works that's satisfying that has a plot a good conventional structure because one of the biggest things about how we tell stories is is ending them and, and the ending in this movie feels unsatisfying, but I also can't imagine any other ending other than, well, shit. I 
got one. I think you could do sort of a land before time thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's about trying to outpace the humans. You remember Land Before Time? Do you remember the plot of Land Before Time? I remember all of the humans in Land Before Time, yeah. Yeah. There were so many of them. In Land Before Time. Littlefoot's mom is killed by a hunter. There was some... Yes, that does happen. By a human man. Well, no, but it was a hunter. <laughs> um, uh, there was some kind of natural disaster or drought or something. And they were trying to get to like the promised land or whatever. It's implied, I think, in the first movie that it's a meteor shower or something. Or like a big, it's a big kind of he volcanic event. Might be right, but I feel like that was sort of like a bait and switch. It, it was either a big meteor or a volcanic eruption. It was one of the two. Yeah. That either was happening or was going to happen. And so they needed to go to this safe place that maybe existed. But that's, but that, the Land Before Time is an Exodus movie. Yes, I think that the only way you could tell this story is if it was an Exodus movie. I don't see a way that the deer stay in this forest while man is moving into it. But that's my issue, right? Is the deer could go to another forest and like, guess what, my dude? There's going to be people there too. There's nowhere deer can go. Okay, but in the Land Before Time, Andy? Yes. The dinosaurs are still going to die. <laughs> I'm just saying it worked out for that movie. <laughs> Yeah, but I I feel like it's a lot easier to go, oh man, it's great that these dinosaurs, these fictional creatures, um, okay, wait, dinosaurs are real, obviously, that's not what I meant. Motherfucker. <laughs> dinosaurs are real, but for the sake of the movie, they're, the dinosaurs for the most people- The deer are also fictional, Andy. No, no, I know, but I should point out that, like, a dinosaur, a dinosaur to the young mind, they might as well be fucking dragons, dude. Like, I'm never gonna see one. Like, I'll see a skeleton and I'll go, that's dope. I love this shit. Science. Cool. But, like, they're not real. They're not real anymore. Andy? I can't go out and look at one i can go out and see a deer i can go out and see a deer get fucking shot if i wanted to for andy? free andy have you ever seen a fucking bird bird aren't dinosaurs first birds are dinosaurs you piece of shit no they're not they are, okay birds are better than dinosaurs because they lived due to their small size you know when paleontologists say dinosaur they say non-avian dinosaur yes because they want to want everybody to know they are not referring to birds. Yes, avian dinosaurs. Which are still around right now. Listen, man, I get it. I don't know if you get it. The Archaeopteryx is my favorite prehistoric animal ever, alright? I've been thinking about getting a tattoo of its fossilized remains for years. That sounds pretty dope, actually. I know, but somebody already did it, so now I feel like I'd be copying them. Get a bigger one. Get a bigger one? Is yeah. that the solution? Also... All right. Can I mention this? I think this fire looks bad. I thought it looked great. Okay, that's fine. What was your issue with it? Maybe I'm spoiled, man. I, You know <laughs> what? I know I'm spoiled. Okay. Disney just figured out how to make the light from fire look really fucking cool. And they hadn't yet. And so what they did was they had the fire sort of consuming stuff, but the, 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 it, it didn't give off light like fire should. It felt, the, the fire felt less like fire and more like, I don't know how to describe it. I definitely liked the way it looked because to me it looked kind of like a Van Gogh painting come to life. Okay, I can see that. 
compared to the the animation of the forest and of the animals, the fire was animated very kind of dirty and haphazardly, and like you could almost see the oil paint mm-hmm. in the fire's animation. I thought that was very interesting. In between before the fire, though, um, I I didn't really mention. We kind of talked about the dogs. Bambi fights some dogs to get him away from Feline. Which, he fights like a shit ton of dogs. He fights like a lot of dogs, and I I don't wanna I don't wanna like throw shade or anything, but I lived by deer into my twenties, and they won't fight even one dog, not even one. Yeah, but what if uh, what if it, what if that dog was like attacking their bay? I don't care how in love they are, Andy. <laughs> and just write that quote down for posterity. <laughs> I don't care how in love they are. Tony. Do you know the saddest thing about recording main episodes of the podcast is I can't use our quotes as titles? <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. Maybe we should. No, I want people to be able to find this by Google and Bambi. Yeah, too. we gotta have that good SEO. Yep. So, after he fights the dogs, I think he ends Here's where I'm confused. I thought he got shot. I think he did. So I think he got shot in like the shoulder. Yeah, and and then there's this like great Batman moment. You mean like why do we fall? Why do we fall? I, as soon as as soon as he said that, I was like, why do we fall, Bruce? So we can get back up. It was weird. It was a weird moment for me. Baby gets shot, and he gets and although it's not clear that he was shot because you can't show a bullet wound in a cartoon. Yeah, it it was it was weird. I kind of like I wanted to see him injured in a in a more substantial way than just walking with a limp. Yeah, that but that's a you know that's a Disney problem. Yeah, you can't show. You could like I don't know, mat the fur there a little bit, like just have like something. I don't know. He basically gets yelled at by his dad until he gets up, which gives a little bit of insight into their relationship, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll get to see more of that relationship soon. I show love through yelling. Rise! That's all I can do. There are four lights, Bambi. I'll get that reference. Well, it's cool. We'll talk about it later. So <laughs> they escape from the fire. Everybody's fine. They're like kind of on this like island in the yeah. lake or something, or across a creek or river or something. It's not clear. And that's kind of it. And uh, then we go to like Bambi's kids being born. Yeah, that's right. And then t- Bambi Bambi gets two kids born, and the camera kind of pans from those two kids to... Also, man, Thumper done got it, get got. Well, he's a rabbit. Yeah, man. Thumper's got, like, six kids. Flower's got the one named Bambi. Kind of the cutest thing. It's so adorable, and, like, there's a lot of... There's a lot you could do with that. You know what? The more we talk, the more we mention it, the more I am a little bit disappointed that... The second movie we watched was not a sequel. There are three characters introduced at the end of this movie that the next Bambi could have been about. One is Bambi 2, the son of Flower. (laughs) The other is the twins. Oh my god, what if if the movie was called Bambi 2, son of Flower? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nobody would buy it. (laughs) God, no, it it would be so bad. No one would care. And that's it, we see Bambi with his dad. Yeah, and then his dad kind of walks off into the forest to leave Bambi alone at the at the head of the 
of Pride Rock. Am, am I supposed to assume that he went off to die or something? Yes. Yes, you are. Okay. So let me talk about how the book ends. Oh, no. Okay. So in the book... He keeps, Bambi keeps meeting up with the old prince who teaches him like how to free himself from snares, how not to use trails and to just avoid the traps of man. Also, mm-hmm. man in this book, they're called he. I don't like it. As in like, as in there he is. He is coming. I, I definitely don't like it as much as man either because I feel like that would get awkward. <laughs> yeah. Also, I imagine it's he capitalized, right? Yes. That sounds like a Bible thing. Well, so we'll get to that. So eventually Bambi gets shot by a hunter and the prince shows him something that I think deer actually do do, which is they walk in circles until the bleeding stops so that they can't use the blood to track them. Holy shit. That's awesome and sad. The old prince shows him how to do this and then they both run to a safe haven together and remain that way until Bambi recovers fully from the gunshot wound. So something I will say is that when deer survive gunshot wounds, they usually become super aggressive because they're basically in pain all the time and they don't heal properly. Makes sense. But in the book, Bambi grows gray and quote unquote old while he lives alone with the old prince. And then the old prince gives him one final lesson and he shows him the body of a dead man who was shot and killed by another man. Uh Uh-oh. And Bambi was like, oh, shit, so you're telling me that they're not these invincible creatures. They're not all-powerful. Are you telling me that Bambi does decide to get a gun? No. The <laughs> at, at this point, the stag tells him that he's always loved him, calls him my son, and then walks off into the forest to die old. Ugh. And at the end of the book, Bambi meets with two tiny twin fawns looking for their mom, and he scolds them for not being able to live on their own. And when he leaves, he thinks to himself that they both looked very familiar and that the young and that the young oh boy was god. promising. Oh my god. Oh my god. That sucks so bad. So this book was aimed for towards adults. I feel a little bit sick at the reveal that Bambi is just like a deadbeat the dad. Shittiest dad. Like not even not even just a regular deadbeat dad. That's basically what his dad was. Uh-huh. Ah, oh, that's gross. This sucks. Why did they want to make that into a movie? I don't know, man. Like, And there's a sequel book called Bambi. I think it's like Bambi's Children or something. So these kids do manage to survive by themselves after their dad kicks them to the curb after their mom was probably murdered. No, no, they just couldn't find their mom. I assume they couldn't find their mom because she was also shot. Yeah, probably. And, and he's just like, nah, you guys need to learn how to live on your own. Even though he'd been leeching off his dad his whole life? Yeah, pretty much, right? Anyway, gosh, you want to get into the next movie? Yes. I don't. Yes, I do. I'm so exhausted. Like, I'm emotionally exhausted from how much I hated you telling me the end of that book. Yeah, that book has such a shit ending in comparison. I thought that I just reading the ending of that that of that book was wild to me. I was like, and somebody read this and thought this would make a great kids movie. What the That's fuck? So weird. Bambi two, the great prince of the forest, came out in two thousand six, and it was directed by Brian Pimentel, who also helped write it. Brian Pimentel unfortunately would not direct another movie for ten years. What he What he doing in twenty sixteen? 
Alpha and Omega 7, the big furries. <laughs> he was only the co-director. <laughs> oh, you were too happy to reveal that. I was some of uh, some other writing that Brian Pimentel did though is he uh, he worked on Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, a Goofy movie, Brother Bear, and Home on the Range. So a very, unfortunately, a very downhill career. Yeah, and I think Bambi Two was the last movie he ever wrote. Didn't end on a high note. Didn't really end on a low note. I think probably Home on the Range was the low note. I think he still does animation or art in animation probably not sure but uh yeah very unfortunate i'm sure brian pimentel is a nice man but uh i just found it hilarious that so many animators that we run into have been sucked into alpha and omega a movie that looks like it was animated on the back of a butt we're this close to discovering the conspiracy behind terrible movies the, the tax dodge you think it's or, like talking dog movies i think andy do you think that it might be a way to capture people's souls? Not ours, not the viewers. Not the viewers, but Even the souls of these that's what it formerly like. great animators. But the souls of animators? The souls of these voice actors? The souls of writers and directors? I wonder how many souls have been touched by Alpha and Omega. Well, we're going to find out eventually. But for now, I wonder. Because we're going to watch those movies, dude. <laughs> Like, we're gonna do it. I don't wanna. I know we still have to get through, like, four more, possibly five more fucking Swan Princess movies. (laughs) But we're gonna catch up eventually. Okay. Something else that we need to also watch are those uh, Tinkerbell movies. I heard those might actually be good. Same. And I would like to watch something that is a positive experience. That'd be that'd be fun. Cause I loved watching Bambi, but that was very much a it was a very sad experience. Yeah. And Bambi Two is fucking weird. But let's get into it, man. I I I kind of couldn't decide if I liked it or not. I definitely I didn't. I don't know, man. It it is the most middle of the road movie I have ever fucking seen. Hmm. It's not even like Fox and the Hound Two, which is just like a weird called shot. It's just like, oh, okay, sequel to Fox and the Hound, I got this, whatever. Fucking, yeah, right? And, Singing and dogs, they got it. right? They, the thing about Fox and the Hound 2 is, Fox and the Hound 2, at the end of the day, I would, let, I would like, watch that movie with a child. Bambi 2 is a movie I would leave a child alone to watch. The thing about Bambi 2 is, the plot doesn't make sense unless you've seen Bambi 1. The, man, this movie starts off in the roughest place any movie could start. Yep. A child crying for his dead mom. I sort of knew that's where we were starting, but it... But still. I thought... My thought process was... Maybe this movie will start, like, the day at The morning after, right? Like, Bambi wakes up and he's like, Oh, right. My mom's fucking dead. But no, we start in the middle of it. Maybe Bambi wakes up and he sees his mom for a second. But it turns out to be his dad. That would have been good. Some Something similar to that happens later, but a lot more horrifying. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh yeah. That, I that. think that scene is the best scene in this movie. It's very scary. And, like, and it comes out of fucking nowhere. And I love it. That does, that's not true. It's foreshadowed, but not... Not the, not the way you really expect it to be. 
Bambi's dad goes and talks to uh, Friend Owl. Yep, Owl's that's back. His name. Yeah, I guess he's Friend Owl, which I hate. But it's fine. it's a way it's a way to kind of di- uh, discern who he is to just Owl. You can't yeah. just call him Owl. Disney has a character called Owl, and he's great. He is great. I like the Craig Ferguson one. Yeah, the Craig Ferguson one's fantastic. So Owl and the Great Prince are talking about. Basically, the Great Prince is like, I can't raise this child. I'm a man. Right. Women need to raise children. Like, first of all. Well, it's how dare do it, to be fair. Hey, hey, Tony. Yeah. Um, who did you say you wished voiced Owl? Craig Ferguson? Do you want to know who voiced out friend Owl in this movie? Wait, who voiced? Wait. <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately, it's Keith Ferguson. Oh, I was but like, wait I, a second. I had a fucking heart attack when I saw the name, though. <laughs> I was sitting here like, I th- I thought I would have recognized uh, Patrick Stewart voices uh, the Great Prince. So everybody imagine Patrick Stewart's voice whenever we talk about the Great Prince. About the Great Prince. He does, I will say, he does a pretty good job because I didn't, re- I, 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 I recognize the voice, but it took me about halfway through the movie to go, is that fucking Patrick Stewart? <laughs> yeah, it took me a while too. I was like, okay, so this is definitely somebody it, it, i realized it because i i was like man this movie has no named actors that i can think of because i haven't recognized anyone's voices except maybe the great prince but he's just british that could be anybody owl tells the great prince that it's gonna be hard for any doe to adopt a kid right now in the middle of winter so the prince has to watch him for the rest of winter already we have a premise mm-hmm. the prince is uncomfortable raising a child Mm-hmm. And but he but he has to at least until the end of winter. Actually, he says just until the end of winter. He's putting the whole kibosh on it. So it's a hard time limit, right? After winter, that's it. So at this point, I I was really hoping that we would not get any shitty pop music because we had gone so long without shitty pop music up until this point. <sighs> Here's the thing: I didn't really like the music in the last movie, and the music in this movie was like not good, but. I don't think I hated it any more than the music in the last one. There's definitely more of a vocal focus. And that's why, that to me is the sin. Okay, that's fair. I don't like it when they're singing in my movie and the people in the movie aren't the ones singing. You don't like that in Tarzan? No, no I don't. We talked about this. I fucking hate it. Okay. We probably talked about it because it's the only popular movie I can think of where they do that. And it's the worst. Like, the last thing I want to hear, like, the what I want to hear when I'm watching Tarzan swing through the jungle is a fucking Canadian man. So strong, small. He seems so Son of man. He says words so weird. <laughs> I don't like, I, you know what I don't like is I don't like, uh, oh, fucking, what is even the name of his shitty band? It's like a dumb 80s band. I'll Google him. <laughs> I don't even remember his name. It's Phil Collins. Phil Collins, thank you. Genesis. He was in Genesis. Genesis. Yes, thank you. It's so egregious to me. And I get why they did it. It's because at this point in Disney's career, they basically ran out of musical talent that they had in-house. What with uh, one of them passing away tragically and the other one leaving to go and write music on his own outside of the thumb of Disney as a company. Well, that's weird because he came back. He did come back. Uh, that was Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman died. Howard Ashman's the one that died. So then the one who came back was... Alan Menken. Alan Menken, thank you. 
I, I, I'm trying to remember what he wrote music for fairly recently that I knew he came back for. Oh, he wrote the music for the new Beauty and the Beast. Oh, but that, that's just because you gotta bring him back. Right. But I mean, they did bring him back. <laughs> he probably wrote for the music for the new Aladdin, too. Uh, just... no. I don't think so. Let me just... Looking it up right here. now. Oh, he did. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Original songs co-written with Howard Ashman and Tim Rice. New songs co-written with Pasek and Paul. Don't know those guys. Apparently, they're a duo. All right. They have such. They have. Uh, they're most well known for Alan Tudyk uh, is Yago. Man, Alan Tudyk's doing a lot of shit for Disney right now. Well, who else were they gonna get? Alan Tudyk, I think, has become Disney's new lucky charm. Like they just need to have him in every movie. Oh man. I also didn't realize he's at least two main characters in Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Yeah, man. Huh. Oh, no, he worked on Ralph Breaks the Internet as well, apparently. I have not seen that movie. Oh, no. Me neither. He oh, my God, Sausage he's Sausage Party. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. I gotta get back on that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ah. Uh... He worked on Jock the Hero Dog. Man, oh, what this a... movie looks like garbage. Yeah, but, like, what a good career he's had. You know he did that he did that s- series Con Man that was like about himself if he hadn't gotten the big break he got after Firefly. Oh yes, I want to watch Con Man so bad, but I don't know where to watch it. That's a good question. I think wherever it was stopped existing. <laughs> yeah, that's that was my big problem when I tried to go watch it a couple days ago. Um, did okay. you know that they are making a sequel to Enchanted? I did. I feel like you told me that. I did. It's entirely possible. Wait, is he in the new Enchanted movie? No. No, he's not, but I, I mean, it would be great if he was. It would be. Uh, Alan Tudyk, I think, I love that he has such a great career as a voice actor. I think he deserves it. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish he had more acting roles as uh, from it. That's fair. It seems like what he's doing right now is being a voice actor, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like great work if you can get it, frankly. Yeah, no, definitely. And he's... I guess he was... I guess he's in the Santa Clarita diet. Oh, he's also in Doom Patrol. Uh, yeah, but I've only seen episode one, but so far he's a voice. Yeah, he's... He's (laughs) he's Mr. Nobody, a guy without a body. He's the invisible man. Wow, you know what we've not been talking about for like the last ten minutes? I know, we did the thing. (laughs) We did the thing where we started talking about Alan, Alan Tudyk and his amazing yep. career. That's another person who, if I meet, I'm just going to have to be like, hey, man. I'm really mad I didn't get to meet him when he was in town. So, God, where even were we in this movie? Man, who cares? Oh, at the introduction. We were at the title. <laughs> and me too. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, this movie, as, we, mu- as little... We were talking, we got off track because we were talking about the music. Yeah, th- this movie is like uh, this movie is kind of like the the unbuttered toast of Disney films. Yeah. So I have a question because I've never lived in a place that was that cold for most of my life, all of my life. For shizzle. Do waterfalls really freeze like that? They can. Yeah. You know what? Short answer: Yes. If a waterfall freezes, it freezes as a wall of water. I don't know why. I don't know how that physics works. Um, but it's it doesn't like freeze at the top and make everything else dry, which seems like is what should happen. 
But no, the whole thing freezes. Sometimes mm-hmm. it'll freeze more like, um, like, so there are parts that are bare rock and then parts that are just sheets of water. They're neat. Okay. It's neat. Uh, yeah, I've never seen that before, so I thought it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. So the Great Prince is very against having fun. He puts a big no fun sign down at the beginning of their meeting, of their hanging out together, day one. Yeah, but let me talk about what really annoyed me with this. What really got to me at my core was Bambi is like running around and he was, and, and the Great Prince said something about how a prince should walk. And that revealed to me that the Great Prince's like strut is practiced. Yeah. And that took a lot from the character for me. Here's the problem with having a, a mythical, almost godlike figure and then making them a character is it removes all the mystery and the mythicality from them. Here's what I wanted from this movie. I wanted him to still be mythical, but he and Bambi to have to deal with the fact that they both lost somebody they loved. And guess what? They never deal with that. Here's the And here's the thing is this movie thinks about dealing with it. And then just doesn't. And then just never does. Because Bambi, every time Bambi brings up his mom, the great prince is like, oh, I'm sad about this. Let's not talk about it. Yeah, well, he says, like, princes don't dwell on the past. And what it means to me as the viewer is that he's not over it. And he, like, he can't talk about it because he can't deal with it. But then he never says that, which is crazy. It's a kid's movie. This is the thing, right? Is this movie... I feel like this is a movie of missing a lot of very slow pitches first of all this movie could have been about three other characters whatever you're you're really hung up on this huh i am so hung up on it like why i don't like the idea of making an interquel because this this always happens when you make an interquel and it's that there's no tension in it because it's hard to make tension when the main characters have to exist and stay the same in the first movie yeah they can't grow or change also, Thumper's voice has changed. Yeah, Thumper is the, I think, the big voice in this movie that sound. We didn't talk about this, but in the first movie, when Thumper comes back as an adult, he sounds like such a surfer, bro. It's so, and here's the thing. It really weirded me out that Thumper's voice changed at all because he's a rabbit. And Oh, Thumper should have been fucking dead of old age. He should have been an old ass man. No, I just mean that he should have stayed squeaky. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been really weird, right? If Bambi sounded like like a teenager and then Thumper sounded still like a baby. Could you imagine meeting like a friend that you hadn't seen since you were a kid and you they sounded exactly the same, like a five-year-old? Hello, Tony. Anyway, uh, I, 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 I've tossed the comedy baton to you, man. Don't choke. You said hello, Tony. And like, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, I think this you wouldn't was know what to do. From human shit. There, I got you to laugh. That means it's back on you. <laughs> so, uh, so the movie at this point introduces the conflict for Bambi, right? No, 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 no. Uh, you know what? Maybe. Why don't you tell me the conflict for Bambi? <laughs> well, so because Bambi has this kind of realization that being himself isn't good enough for his dad. Yeah, that's fair. And so now we have two sides of uh now we have two we have two characters in a relationship that is set up to be critical of who they are as people. 
They mm-hmm. have to change in order for them to overcome a gap between them. Yes, but while we're talking about relationships, let me talk about Thumper and his weird new imagining of the relationships with his siblings. This movie was written by people who've never had siblings. It's weird because Thumper is like suddenly in a place of responsibility, which is crazy because don't give Thumper responsibility. Seriously. And he's only like a minute older than his younger sisters. He lives in this antagonistic place with his siblings. Like, you know, if you have a sibling who follows you around, sometimes you want to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. But that's the only thing that happens between him and his sisters. That's weird. Yeah, they're very flat characters. Also, the way they act reminds me a lot of, like, Faleen's flirting. And the fact that they couldn't really get enough of a difference between those two. Yeah, it's very weird. Makes it pretty weird. The prince dismisses Bambi. Right, because Bambi can't climb some rocks. And and he has to climb these rocks to do his job. Yeah, his job of walking around the whole forest and making sure everything's neat. Yeah, making He's sure everything's cool. okay and that there's no people around. Right. Let's talk about what Bambi does because it's insane. Not insane. Not exactly insane. It's just dumb. <laughs> it's it's one of those dumb... Unnecessary... Things that you see in kids' movies. It's a dumb thing you see in Disney sequels. They go to watch a gopher come out of whoa, its whoa. hole. Whoa, whoa, okay. No, 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 no. Sit down before you hurt yourself. What did I miss? You missed that you've lived in the desert your whole life and have never experienced Groundhog Day. Oh, is it a groundhog? It's a groundhog. Right, whatever. Yes, because, it's a groundhog. Because if the groundhog sees a shadow, it's six more weeks of winter. Mm-hmm. I know about this. And if it's not, it's only a month and a half. I have told you the oldest groundhog day joke. Wallow in it. I I got it. But it just seems unnecessary. It's like, okay, we celebrate Groundhog Day. It doesn't mean animals need to. It also kind of, I don't know, feels weird to have these animals that are supposed to be this, like, representation of how nature is so different from the human world celebrating groundhog day that was the thing it it, they're not acting like animals you know yeah they're not even just acting like regular kids they're gathering around a groundhog to see if it'll see its shadow which fine i guess it's just not great it felt like a brother bear tooth like honestly yes yes oh my god yes owl at this point looks at bambi and is like ah young bambi it's nice to see you again. And at this point, I felt like the movie was really just stabbing and twisting me with the knife of how in the first movie, Owl mentions that he hasn't seen Bambi in a while. Mm. <laughs> and every time Owl shows up, he like looks directly at Bambi and he's like, ah, Bambi, how good to see you. And it's like, stop it, movie. Stop it. You're breaking continuity. Ah. Uh. With a Disney classic. I thought you were saying that they got Owl to say that so that it would make sense if he, like, hadn't seen him in a week. That suddenly was like, Bambi, you've grown! So at this point, a rival teen shows up. This fucking guy. He's fucking Simba? This weird Simba deer? It... I thought he looked more like Kovu. He's got, like, the same rude tood. He looks like Kovu, but he acts like Simba. And, like, if Simba wasn't the main character of his movie, he would be this character. Just such a fucking tool. But the weird thing is, is he acts like Simba, but Bambi is Simba? Uh-huh. Which, 
Simba deer. Baco. Braco. Boca burgers. I fucking, dude, I don't know, man. Give me a Whatever. second. Whatever. I'll call him Braco. Rano. Rano? Dude. Rano. Rano. Fuck this. Ron. No. Ron. No. Um, yeah, it's like the thing you say when your buddy Ron accidentally eats like uh, a bar of soap. Uh, I was. <laughs> Ron. I was gonna say raw fettuccine. That's still food, Andy. Yeah, but you don't fucking you don't do that though. Like you don't eat macaroni out of the macaroni and cheese box. You can though. It's not gonna kill you. Yeah, but you fucking shouldn't, man. Andy, let me talk about Rano. Talk about Rano. Tell me all about Rano. Here's the thing about Rano. So he has little horns, little antlers already. He's colored like Kovu. Mm -hmm. No scar yet. Uh, Kovu pre-scar. Deception. (laughs) Disgrace. Evil as plain as the scar on his face. Deception and An outrage. outrage, disgrace for shame. Andy, please. He asked for trouble <laughs> the moment he came. Could we Sorry. not? <laughs> you know, I still sing a couple of the songs from The Lion King 2 when I'm just walking around my house. Because they're so good. They're not. Rocco never really seems to get that Bambi... Rano. What? Rano, not Rocco. Rocco is a cartoon. I feel like I said Rano, but he doesn't you seem You said Rocco. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He doesn't seem to get that Bambi like outranks him. Yeah, so even if it's not just like a like a class system thing, Bambi is the son of the most important deer. Also his mom just died. Which is really weird because then he starts talking about how he saw a man and also Thumper yells at him that he's a mama's boy. And both of those things are crazy things to crazy yell. fucked up. <laughs> when, when Bambi's mom just got killed by a man. Like a week ago. Yeah, it's not clear how long ago, but recently it's still winter. So at this point, I was really worried that we were going to see a human in this movie, but we don't. Thankfully, but we don't. We get a much, much creepier thing. I want to. I want to take an aside though, because Rano makes fun of Bambi because of Bambi's name. Bambi is not a gendered name. It's Italian. It just means young. Wow, really? What a bad name. Well, because ba- the 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 reason for it is because Bambino is young boy, Bambina is young girl. Sure. Bambi in and of itself is gender neutral. Okay, that's fine. Here's the thing, though. That's a joke that probably wouldn't have worked at all in the 40s. Mm-hmm. But now that Bambi is a movie, I feel like the name Bambi is a stripper name and not much else. Apologies to any listeners named Bambi. Oh, man. If your parents named you Bambi, I would love to meet you and just ask why. It seemed pretty bad. Maybe if you're Italian, or I, I was I was going to elaborate on that, but maybe if you're Italian, it's probably just enough for that sentence. <laughs> I feel like if you're Italian, you just go with the full Bambino or Bambina, and that's weird. That's like naming... Yeah, naming a child child. That's Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that, it's like naming a child child. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who would use the name Bambi. Oh, probably somebody who's not Italian. <laughs> you know what? Fair. Fair. <laughs> 
<laughs> but like, yeah, that's what I think of Bambi. I think of it as a stripper name. And mm. that's, you know, that's just where we're at as a society. So you were really disappointed that this movie didn't follow that route of making fun of it. Could you imagine if Ronald Selene did? What kind of a name is Bambi? A stripper name? How old is Rano, dude? Uh, also, where know, do they two? fucking live? <laughs> the woods. In the Midwest. They're where... all naked all the time. Yeah, but <laughs> I guess that's true. What do you take off? We need to cut and run. Do you think maybe animals find it sexy when animals put on human clothes? I feel like I'm approaching a weird zeitgeist that I really want to backpedal from now that I've started. I mean... I think certain humans are sexy when they when they wear human clothes. But only certain humans? Well, yes, Andy. Some humans, clothes lower the rating. You know what? You're right. We shouldn't be talking about this. I told you that I didn't want to walk down this road anymore. So this kid fucking sucks, but he tells this shitty story about how he heard, like, a deer calling in the woods. Mm-hmm. And he went out to go investigate, and it was a man. And that they have these wooden tubes that make them sound like deer. Mm-hmm. And then he rammed him with his antlers. So here's the thing, is that this movie set is trying to set him up as a rival character. Mm-hmm. The problem is that he fucking sucks and nobody likes him in the movie. That's the thing. I don't know if he's supposed to be like a bully because it doesn't really work because he's not in a place of power yeah and he doesn't really work as like a love rival because Faylene doesn't give him the time of day it kind of just he kind of just comes off as and like the implication is that he grows up to be the deer that the the, the like rapey deer that we see in the next in the first movie next movie yeah that is that is how intercools work and <laughs> And, and and so there's a lot of moments in this movie where he kind of exhibits the same character tendencies as unnamed, non-speaking aggro deer does. <laughs> yes. But it's super weird when it's in the context of kids playing with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was no reason to introduce this character. The one, the one reason to introduce this character was to have him tell the story about the tubes. Because this next part of the movie is fucking bonkers. It's really atmospheric and unsettling, this next bit. First, Bambi has a dream about his mom. Mm-hmm. He falls asleep, he falls asleep waiting for his dad because everybody else has gone home. Yeah, oh, that's right, because his dad was supposed to come meet him and he forgot because his dad's shitty. No, his dad just doesn't get back till late. Look, yeah, man. He's gotta, that's true. He's just a hardworking man. You're right. I shouldn't put him down like that. He's doing his best. He just lost his wife. He's Cards the... on the table. I've been there as a kid. Yeah. All right. That's fine. That's fine. I have two, actually. Well, not. Except for the mom part. I was going to say, I don't think either of us have had the, the tragedy thing. But, like, you've sat in a place where this is just a place for waiting for, like, three hours until a family member picks you up, right? Yeah. Sometimes it just happens. Yeah, it's just you life don't happens. Get cars. I mean, I got a car when I was 16, which is insane by the way. I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know, it's just it's weird to think about the amount of responsibility that I was allowed to get as a 16-year-old. I feel like there are so few people who are truly qualified to drive a car. Right? And I was just allowed to fucking do it? Yeah. Such a bad idea. So this dream is very Lion King. Uh, he's just like, he hears his mom and he talks to her and she's like, everything's going to be okay. 
sometimes in order for new things to grow, things have to be lost. I'm like, oh, this is really <sighs> weir- a really weird moral lesson to teach kids. This got kind of buried for me, but it's unclear to me. Is he just like dreaming about his mom giving him life lessons that he almost definitely would not think of by himself? Yeah. That's so weird. Maybe the movie could have framed it where it was something she had already told him and he was just remembering it. Yeah. But it really doesn't. Or if she just said stuff that was like vaguely comforting, that would be fine. It was really depressing either way. Or even if he was just running towards her and he heard her saying, I'm here, I'm here, and then woke up. Any of those. Well, no, because the problem is is that he wakes up and he hears her saying, I'm here, I'm here. And this is where the movie goes full fucking, like, get out. This is some psychological horror shit. Man, I have to watch that fucking movie. It's it's good, you know? Uh, I don't you, watch horror time. movies, but everybody's been talking about it for like two goddamn years. Well, hey, guess what, man? They're about to be talking about that movie and us for the next two goddamn years, because us is also very good. Okay. Oh, and the Twilight Zone's about to premiere? Man, what a good time to be a horror fan. So... Bambi's running through the forest and he hears this voice just saying it's it's like echoey and hollow. Mm-hmm. I really like the sound design here because I, as a viewer, know now that this isn't his mom. This is a hunter doing a call. Mm-hmm. So it makes the robotic echoiness make sense. What it makes me think of, because I don't watch horror movies, but I I do consume a lot of other horror stuff. Is like sort of the idea of a head that can just say, I'm here, I'm here, that would like lure people in because it would like sound like somebody you knew. That's scary shit, man. (sighs) There is a Portuguese ghost, I believe. Portuguese horror is fucking bonkers. Is it Portuguese that I'm thinking of? It could be Malaysian. Oh, one of them is a headless mule in Brazilian folklore, which is not what I was looking for. A headless mule. That sounds not that scary. There is a ghost. I think it's, I think it originated in Japan, but it's like kind of just like now in just kind of all Pacific cultures. Mm. Uh, it's the ghost of like, it's, it's, it's basically like these people who die in very tragic ways. And what they do is they're at, when night falls, their heads come off of their bodies. Mm-hmm. And then they fly out and they lure people like will-o'-wisps into like gorges where they get stuck and then they eat them. And so the way they lure people in is by by calling for help, like, help, I'm over here, help, please. And the only way you can kill them is to find their bodies that they have left without their head and bury it where they can't find it so that when the sun rises, their heads turn to ash. Yeah, it makes sense. Um... So it's kind of like that. So imagine that. And the scene is only a little bit ruined by the crow shouting man. Oh, that was so weird. Because I, 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 in the first movie, the crows are just cawing. Yeah. And it really annoyed me because it's like, what's the point of subtext if you just throw it out? And this is the problem with, I think, most of these Disney sequels is every fucking song that plays and every fucking, like, action that happens is like, hey, do you get it? It's a man. Does this song about singing about people, two people who are so different being together and getting along, get the point across? But what's happening in this scene yet? Do you get that Tarzan is a man? Do you get it? He's still a man. He's different. Fuck Phil Collins. Bambi freezes as a bunch of dogs 
come after him. The Great Prince finds him, tells him to run, and he doesn't. And so the Great Prince pulls some Lion King shit. It's a lot like the scene where Simba is fighting a bunch of hyenas. Yes, but I think the stakes are way higher in Bambi too. I think it is, but also... it. Okay, so if, if only because if anything trumps hyenas, it's man with gun. <laughs> but it's not the he's fight, it's when he's fighting off the dogs first. It's just the thing is, I notice this stuff in sequels, right? We noticed a yeah. lot of it in Brother Bear. Oh, Brother Bear is so bad with it. It's so bad with it, and this one's not too bad with it. But it feels pretty egregious when the movie that's supposed to be the sequel. Of the movie that really kicked off all this Disney stuff. Just takes from other Disney stuff. Oh, you mean with the stark lighting? Yeah, that too. But it's it's absolutely crazy bonkers, you're right, that all of these Disney sequels are sequels of movies that were trendsetters. Mm-hmm. And then having to go back and copy the things that they did first. Yeah. But bad? After he fights off the dogs, uh, the Great Prince sees the barrel of a gun and he's like, nope, nope. And he, he gets Bambi out of there. And then he yells at him, which again feels like the Lion King a lot. Here's the problem is when Mufasa yells at Simba, I look at that and I go, yeah, all right. Simba was being a fucking dumbass mm-hmm. and getting himself into trouble. But when the great prince is yelling at Bambi, I'm like, hey, man, calm the fuck down. Like he was he just lost his mom. He's only been alive for a year. Like, but I get it. You the great prince doesn't. Him- anything the great prince doesn't know how to be a dad he doesn't yeah, get it it's it's so it's very frustrating if like i think this scene could have been good if the rest of the movie were pl- really played up the fact the great prince doesn't know what he's doing the problem is is the great prince is presented as this mystical character that knows everything and now mm-hmm. we're supposed to believe that actually he doesn't know how to be a dad like you would think he would get that at some point you know from his dad but he wasn't raised by his dad, he was raised by his mom. Because he's a deer. That's right, because only women raise. Princes don't raise children. I don't know why you're saying it like that. It's literally what that's deer what, do. That's what Patrick Stewart that's what Patrick Stewart sounds like. Okay. Fucking sexist ass shit. <laughs> Nature is cancelled. It's frustrating as a per and I don't know. Maybe this is because I I had the realization the other day that, like, when I was born, my dad was my age, as I am now. And my dad definitely didn't know how to fucking be a dad, but he did a great job, considering. he did okay. He did, okay, he did better the third time around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I like to think that my flaws weren't his fault. (laughs) They're definitely mine. That's right, Andy. Own it. At this point, we have a little interlude in which Thumper is being chased around by his sisters. Mm-hmm. And he's hiding in a CGI log. Mm-hmm. Bambi goes to hang out with Thumper and Flower. Flower just kind of around in this movie doesn't do much. Yeah, it's like they knew he didn't have any characterization in the first one. So they just went with that. I really miss the the days of disney sequels where they took not having any character as we could do whatever we want (laughs) oh flower here's the thing i don't know why i'm like charmed by flower there's no reason for it except maybe because he named his kid bambi maybe that's it because that's like that's like such such a 
big thing that's just like thrown out last minute. Yeah, it, it gives him it it's it, it's like I said, it's very Dark Souls, right? It doesn't mean anything, but in the context, it feels like it means a lot. Mm-hmm. And he it sort of lets you know what's important to him, and the fact that that's important is interesting. And then we never hear anything about that and and if there was any time to do something with that to show that bambi is important to flower it would be in an intercool maybe Hmm. just another softball that these writers fucking whiff so bambi wants to get more brave or thumper convinces him he needs to be more brave because he frizz and because Mm -hmm. he wants to get along with his dad so they run around growling at stuff and you know this is a Sort of minor plot point that I genuinely cannot bring myself to care about. Mm-hmm. It's very long. Yep. This is such a long sequence. And like the joke is that when Bambi growls, he makes kind of a, a yipping deer noise. Yeah, like a, sort of like a sheep noise almost. Yeah. It goes on for so long. It, it just goes on for a while. And I get that they're trying to do something instead of nothing, which is what the last one did. I guess we're trying to do something with these characters, but it's just, this isn't it. And I feel like we should be using this opportunity to get some more Bambi Great Prince time, and we don't. The the sheer lack of Bambi hanging out with the Great Prince that happens in this movie is astounding. You would think that of all the, that of all the movies in which they would spend most of the movie together, it would be this one. But honestly, Bambi spends most of this movie hanging out with Thumper... And Flower. And Rano. And and Faleen's around a, more than the last one, but like... Which also doesn't make any goddamn sense because Bambi barely recognizes Faleen the next time he sees her, which implies that he hadn't seen her for a while. Apparently they were just hanging out as kids all the time. Yeah, I don't know, they can do a fight with a porcupine. Rocco, Rano shows up. I love this porcupine, by the way, he's so curmudgeon-y. He is curmudgeon I love a good curmudgeon. They get into a fight with Rano... Get into a fight is a strong word. Rano's acting like a fucking dick, and then Thumper pushes Bambi into him. Right, and and that, like, knocks him out for a second. Yeah, it just, he is floored. He's like, oh. And then Bambi and Thumper book it, and Bambi manages to impress his dad by making a really cool leap. Yeah. While he's running away from Rano. I'm not sure if it impresses his dad. Okay, he seems to think it impresses his dad. I think that his dad sees that and thinks, oh, I guess I can take Bambi places now. This is just another scene of, like, these two characters refusing to bond with each the other. The problem is I don't know what that fucking deer is thinking. The Great Prince or Bambi? The Great Prince. Because both of them seem to make wild decisions for no reason. But it's that the Great Prince doesn't talk. Yeah, that's true. He's very silent. It's cause you can't Listen, Patrick Stewart is expensive, man. He has these scenes with Owl, and Owl's always talking about the dough that he's gonna get. Instead of, like, I thought that if the Great Prince was gonna have, like, a private scene with Owl, he would be, like, talking about his feelings. Right? That's the problem, is that that Patrick Stewart. (laughs) Patrick Stewart, the man, doesn't have... He doesn't have a Zazu, he doesn't have a... And Iago, he doesn't have somebody on his shoulder that he can confide his feelings with, that to characterize him. Exactly. Yeah, he needs he needs somebody to confide in. And he doesn't have that. And he doesn't. And it makes it really stale and bad. 
because we what we never do is we never really get past the idea that he's kind of this austere magical being you know i feel like bambi never really gets over that and so we as the viewer never really get over it get over it it it, the movie breaks down the wall that is him being this mythical larger than life figure but never walks inside Mm -hmm. and it's very frustrating because you want to see what's going on in there it's it, it, whenever you build up a character to be so big, you want a glimpse of what's happening inside their head because it's a promise that's being made with the viewer or the reader that, like, yeah, they're more than just me saying they're great. And the original movie gets away with it because he's presented as almost as a ghost because he's always walking out in the mist and he only interacts with Bambi when, like, no one else is around. <laughs> Like Balto's mom. Like Balto's mom. Exactly like Balto's mom. Oh, man. I forgot about that. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. <laughs> oh, no. I'm having, I'm having the shakes. <laughs> oh, boy. I kind of want to rewatch that second movie. Hmm. <laughs> Should we do like a greatest hits? Dude, there's at a, some point there's a balto movie we haven't watched yet so we oh uh, <laughs> so we could watch the sec rewatch the second one and then do the third one we'll i do, don't want to rewatch the first one we'll do something i don't know we just like don't get anything out of this deer at all the most interesting thing about this deer is that he was voiced by patrick stewart you cut out right when you were about to tell me the most interesting thing about that deer well i guess you'll never know tony i guess i fucking won't andy and so you edit it, and then you're not going to be satisfied with the answer you got. Well, now I can't hold a conversation about it, Andy. I was going to say, the most interesting thing about The Great Prince is that... Is this on purpose now? Did you purposely stop? What? No. <laughs> you didn't purposely say, is that, and then stop talking. No. You're not fucking with me. Wink. No. I'll come down there. Up Wink. there? I think you're north. <laughs> I'm south of you. What? How am I? How am I close to the Mexican border and north of you? I don't know. I knew you were close to one of the borders. I didn't know if it was the north one or the south one. I'm the North Mexican border. Yep, I'm close to the North Mexican border. I meant the borders in Arizona. What the hell were you going to say about this deer? That the most interesting thing about him is that he's voiced by Patrick Stewart. <laughs> That is so not worth repeating three times. I told you it wasn't! I couldn't hear that, Andy! No, I told you it wasn't going to be satisfying. Oh, I thought you meant it wouldn't be satisfying when I eventually heard it on the recording. I mean, both cases turned out to be true. Ugh. So Bambi starts, like, jumping around and shit? You know, Bambi and his dad get closer. You know, well, play no, because Thumper has world. here's the thing is they don't get closer. But then Thumper has the genius idea that maybe Bambi should ask his dad some questions. Oh, we're still back here. OK, Sorry. Yeah, fam. I had no idea. Where Shit we were hasn't happened yet. Shit never happens in these movies. <laughs> oh, like man. Got so high there. It- it is, it is such a goddamn shame that the craziest, coolest thing about this movie happens so soon. Because now we don't have anything to look forward to for the rest of this movie. Like, 
I one of my favorite things about Mulan too is that we got through we got so far into that slog and then the most insane thing happened like so close to the end that it kept us like on a good high. Yeah, all right. But it was it was rough to get through to get to that point though. But we but we forget because we remember the high point. It's true. In this we're past the high point now, which is the crazy like go like mom hunter voice horror movie shit yeah that was rough too like it's so good it belongs in a better movie the thing about this movie and this was true in the last movie but i would have thought that for a 2006 sequel they would have done something about it there's no lightness to it the thing about being a deer is that it fucking sucks there's no upside I don't feel like that's how you should be presenting it to kids, you know? No, definitely, this but that's a, the thing. This is a movie I guess for that's... kids that was made, and I just don't get it. It's not even, it's not even, like, terrible, you know? Yeah. I just genuinely don't get who would watch this and get something out of it. You want to know something crazy? Hit me. Thumper's sister? Sisters? Yep. Are voiced by three different uh, people. <laughs> what? Yeah, man. They got three different voice actors for his sisters. That's crazy for two reasons. One, they sound exactly the same, so they could definitely have used one voice actor. Mm -hmm. Two, he has four sisters. (laughs) Okay, wait. (laughs) What happened to the fourth one? I, dude, I shit you not, man. There's only three voices listed. I think what happened, if you'll indulge me, is that they were hiring voice actors, and they're like, this one sounds good for this rabbit, this one sounds good for this rabbit, so does this one. And and so they started hiring them, and then they thought, wait a second, they all sound the same, but we've already told three of them they're hired. (laughs) What if we get one of them to do two? I'm thinking that maybe they forgot that there were four rabbits in the voice recording session, and then when they were animating it, it, when they were animating, they're like, oh, fuck, there's four of them? We'll just have one of them never talk. Surely no one will notice. I didn't notice. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I didn't notice that there were three different voice actors for them. What a great attention to detail that no one's going to appreciate. We appreciated it, Andy. We, we certainly did not, Tony. <laughs> Is that what you call the last five minutes of us bagging on them? What the hell is happening in this movie? Baby asks his dad what he's doing, and, and his dad tells him about, like, about, like, observing the forest through his hooves and his, and his sight it's letting and his it ears. flow through you. And it's all around you. You just have to reach out and grab it. Do you now feel put it? On, now put on this helmet, with, but the blast shield's down. Don't worry about it. It's a Star Wars what joke. it felt like, though. <laughs> like, apparently being a deer protector is like being a Jedi. Yeah, no, I buy it. God, remember when Mark Hamill was in Wolf Quest? God, dude, we need to rewatch Wolf Quest. <laughs> uh. Oh, you know what we need to do is we need to rewatch that crazy scene where a ghost rat tells uh, Balto's <laughs> daughter that he's her spirit animal and then disappears after singing a long ass song about nothing. Oh, man. Why don't you. Tell me what the hell happens next. I, I would love to, because every time I keep trying to, you keep talking about Balto. This is, this is you started it. Are you just ready to go back? <laughs> I'm never going back, Andy. 
I told you that we. I, I told you that I would never make us watch the third movie again. So it's up to you if that happens. All right, six point four out of ten, huh? <laughs> stop! You stop it. So Bambi uh, goes up and asks his dad about what it means to be a Jedi, and they have a great scene where they bond. They're running with deer, and they're they're being deer, and. And, like, the rowdy teen tries to intimidate him, but it's too late, rowdy teen. I'm in love with my dad now. And uh, Patrick Stewart <laughs> learns how to say woo-hoo, and yet <laughs> still doesn't quite sound like he's got the point. Look, man, he's trying. And everything is great. But then, tragedy strikes. Because while uh, while Bambi and the Great Prince... I wish they gave him a fucking name. It's really exhausting to say the Great Prince. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But hold up for a second before you talk about this. Because I just need to... I'm, I'm going to cut this out and everything. But I ended up on IMDb while you were talking. And I found this... <laughs> I found Jodie Benson. And it's great because her actress picture is just mostly Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Ariel hanging up through like nine that, of the It page. looks like Ariel is about to eat her. <laughs> She's about to just reach down and eat her. I forget that Jodie Benson was the voice of the robot in Flubber. Yeah. The one that weirdly falls in love and then dies. Yeah, and then dies. What a weird ass movie. Which is weird because he can still get like, he gets like a video off of her, which implies that he could have fixed her. <laughs> You know what's weird about Flubber? Let me tell you what's weird about Flubber is that it's a remake. Yeah, it's a remake of um The Wacky Professor, right? Yes. Or sorry, The Absent-Minded Professor. The Absent-Minded Professor, which I believe had a sequel. Do you go on about called Patrick Son Stewart of Flubber saying woohoo. Here the the thing is Patrick Stewart, I think I love Patrick Stewart. I think he's a fantastic stage actor. People love him for being in Star Trek. He's got a lot of charisma. There are some words in the English language that Patrick Stewart was not meant to say. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo is one of them, man. Woo-hoo. Like, there was a... that One of the seven seals of the apocalypse got broken because somebody paid Patrick Stewart to say woo-hoo. It sounds so off-putting. I do not quite remember it, but I think only the seventh seal is important. The other ones might be unsealed already. It's not... I don't, it, it, it don't matter. I, I, listen, man, I don't know. Patrick Stewart and Bambi are getting closer, but now Owl shows up again. He's like, good news, found Bambi a new mom. No need to thank me, I took care of everything. So Bambi's dad has gotten close to him, but he still makes the decision to send him away, which is kind of brutal, but I, I could like it if it were done a little bit better. If it was handled with any with any form of subtlety and gravitas... Yeah, and like Bam- Bambi starts yelling at him, and I really wish that had gotten a rise out of him. Because what Bambi says is, I wish mom were here instead of you. And like, I wanted him to yell back, like, don't you think I wish that? Or something. Right? You know? There, I wish there was some emotion. Give me something, Patrick. Give me anything. I've seen Patrick Stewart cry about losing his dead wife. I've seen Hamlet, and Henry V, and Macbeth. Man, Patrick Stewart plays a lot of roles in which his wife dies. <laughs> Look at me. I'm Andy. I watch a lot of Patrick Stewart and Shakespeare. He just... Listen, man. There was a long run where Patrick Stewart played all of the important people in Shakespeare plays. Except in Hamlet. He played the dead dad in that one. 
And the uncle, obviously. Well, that's still important. Yeah, it's a double-casted role. And wait, he loses his wait, wife wait, in both wait, roles. Wait, 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 The dead dad and the uncle is a double-casted role? Yes. So in Hamlet, in the play... Yes. There's Claudius, and then when there's a ghost, it just looks like ghost Claudius? Yeah, no, because the whole point is that the king's brother looks so much like him. So when he mysteriously died, everyone was okay with it because it's like, fuck, we got another one. It's cool. And Hamlet was like, it's not cool. That man is not my father, no matter how much he looks like him. And isn't it weird that he was so ready to fuck my mom? Isn't that weird? I'm going to go pretend to be crazy and fuck off with pirates. Well, I think what, what really got him was that it seemed like his mom was ready to get down. And that's really weird. Like, that's weird. I think it's weird either way. It's weird. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I like watching Shakespeare. The problem is, is all of the publicly accessible ones are the ones that are produced by the Shakespearean Theater Company that Patrick Stewart was a member of for, like, ever and is still to this day. So they like doing the Patrick Stewart ones. Yep. Like it's always Patrick the Patrick Stewart, Stewart ones. ones. That's all the right. ones PBS got. Anyway. This photo is insane of Jody Benson standing in front of Daryl. <laughs> Isn't it? I, I clicked on it because she's... Just most of the fucking screen. It is horrifying. Who the heck is Sam and Enchanted? Oh, okay. Must be a must be a side character. I think it's one of the people who works at Patrick Dempsey's company. Yeah, looks like. Okay. I forgot that James Marsden was in this movie too. God, I wonder if there are any other Disney princesses just like hanging around in Enchanted because that's actually real fun. I like that, that would be a great that would be a great uh bit, right? And we are amazingly off topic. God, wait, we... I think yeah. I found one. <laughs> okay, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Bell's Bell is an enchanted. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, they got at least Bell and Ariel. <laughs> that's and cool. that's pretty good. Yeah, I really like that. That's a fun joke. I really love that. I hope they get to do that for the sequel as well. And they have a lot more now. Shit! Yes! Pocahontas too. What? So this is actually a bit that they did on purpose. Yeah! I'm going to trivia. I love this. Dude, I love this a lot. This is great. What does it say under trivia? Because I'm just like picking oh, people out te- of So the they accidentally got another uh, Disney princess because Adina Menzel was in this movie. And this this was before she was a Disney princess. Yep. Okay, Jody Benson, Paige O'Hara, Judy Kuhn, also Julie Andrews, who was in Mary Poppins, and Adina Menzel, who later became Elsa and Frozen. So we caught we caught all of them. I'm sorry I got distracted, but that's just neat. No, it is super cool that they did that. I forgot Adina Menzel was in this as one of the main characters or main side characters. She was the the fiance, right? Yeah, she was Patrick Dempsey's fiance. Cool. Sorry, let's um get back to... I guess I'm getting distracted by Jody Benson, even though there's some cool shit in there. Um, so the prince sends Bambi away, right? Yes. With um, his new mom. With his new mom, who was a friend of his old mom, which they is grew never up together. explored, but like kind of could have been, I think would have been interesting. Hey, Tony, do you hear that? That's the sound of another softball being missed. <laughs> yeah. So then fucking Rano shows up again, because what the fuck? 
He picks a fight with Bambi over the fact that his dad's sending him away. What the fuck? They can do a fight which makes, uh, what's her name? Doe, whose name I can't remember. Uh, it gets her caught in a, in a, um, snare. And then dogs start coming for her. And Bambi, here's the thing. Again, this could have been really good and almost was. I really needed it to spell out more that he needed to save this doe because his mom had just gotten killed by man. But it didn't. The problem is he doesn't save the doe. He kind of does. I mean, he, he does by letting the letting the dogs chase him instead. Yeah, ideally what he would have done is he would have let her go. That's what I was thinking the whole time, especially because his dad shows up and just does it. But the he gets the dogs to chase him, then they start getting picked off one by one by, um... Let's see, one was Flower spraying him. Mm-hmm. I think one missed a jump. One, no, one one doesn't miss a jump. He, uh, he gets the porcupine to attack them. The porcupine attacks one, right. Then That's there are two. two more, and he knocks a rock on one of them. And that second one, I think, uh, slips, yeah. or rocks break out from under his feet, and he falls to his death. Or apparent death, or whatever. You know, yeah, Bambi, dis- I, Bambi definitely killed two dogs as a child, is the thing. Although one of them might have been killed by his dad, because his dad was kicking rocks too. And then Bambi appears to die. Which, again, why? Why would they even try to do this? Yeah, it's He's so fine. lame, because we know that he doesn't die, and also, it's just the Mufasa dying scene, but flips. It's so not cool. It's like, this is how I felt. <laughs> you remember when we had an argument forever ago about whether or not Wrath of Khan was a good movie? No, Into Darkness yes. was a good movie. And I yeah. said, they just took the scene from Wrath of Khan and flipped it and acted like they did it. Uh, that was what this felt like. Yeah, but that's not the part that I find frustrating. The part that I find frustrating is that they tried to pretend like it mattered. Like Bambi doesn't come back as a fucking adult in the first movie. Yep. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, why? Why would you spend so much time writing this scene instead of writing a better movie? So he's not dead. Um, man, oh. I have to, I'm going to have to cut so much chaff out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we really... <laughs> hey, you know, it happens, man. <laughs> it's just that we could have a full DVD extras for all the bullshit I cut out of this one. <laughs> well, why not? Uh, Bambi's dad takes him to his man meadow. Yeah, and he goes to be alone. It looks like it finally looks like maybe they're gonna talk about how sad they are that his mom is dead, and then they don't. And then the movie fucking ends. I'm so pissed. It's such nonsense. It is the biggest fucking tease. Why? I don't know. Why would you set up such a big, important, pivotal thing that the death of Bambi's mom affects the both of them very much and not talk about it? I don't know. So, Andy, what did you think of these movies? I think the first Bambi is an artistic tour de force, right? Like, it's just a bunch of amazing artists getting to do amazing art. Sure. I can buy that. I think, like a lot of works of art, it's not really worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, right like like uh like citizen kane it's like like you can but i it's a lot shorter than most works of art so you know you it's can knock it out in an after it's like an hour and 10 minutes or something it's not bad it's, it is yeah it's like a fucking hair over an hour so if you got an hour to kill 
and you just want to see some like amazing animation that you just won't see again today. Like this, like again, this movie came out back when they were still painting oil on glass and cellulite. Like you, it just doesn't look like this anymore. I would be fine with Bambi playing in the background while I did something else. Yeah, but the idea of it having my full attention is insane. I, I will say that I think the only reason you would have to pay attention to this movie is if you're a student of animation. There is so much to learn here that that I think is obvious to, to, to like get a grasp on being an animator, even if you're doing like CGI stuff. Like there's a lot of lessons to be learned. But I could say that about any Disney movie, but I think this is a pivotal one. It's like this one and Sleeping Beauty, you know, they're mm-hmm. not entertaining, but they're amazing works of art. Um, and I think you can respect it on that merit alone. But as a movie, it's kind of nothing. As for the second one, man, I think I really would rather watch Balto 2. <laughs> it is the unbuttered toast of Disney movies. It's so bland. It's like, and it's not even wheat. It's not, it's just fucking white bread toast. It's, it's, there's nothing there. It is an amazingly non-existent piece of media. Yeah, I think I gotta agree. There's so... You were right, though. There's so many whiffed balls. There's just shit that they're not doing that they should be doing. Like, screenwriting 101 shit is being missed here. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the, the, the movie fails to tell a story completely. And it's not like... I don't know. Like, it, it's such a different thing from the original Bambi, which is a movie that just happen it, it's not that nothing ha- it, it's a movie where nothing happens but it's still about something mm-hmm. this is a movie where a lot of shit happens and none of it matters there's no there's no deeper message there's no anything it just happens and then it's over and it's like well i guess i lost that how long was this movie if this movie was over an hour and a half long i'd be so mad i didn't even look because i was afraid uh this movie is an hour and 15 minutes long okay thank god there are better disney sequels to watch if you are in the mood to watch Disney sequels. All right, cards on the table. You should never really be in the mood to watch Disney sequels. <laughs> we do this so you don't have to. Well, okay, yes, that is true. But here's the thing is if you are an unfortunate parent whose kid wants to watch, I don't know, Cinderella for the 500th time and you think you're going crazy and you might murder your child, Throw on Cinderella 3. Your child gets more Cinderella and you get to watch something that's not Cinderella that's still decent. Right? Like, that's the scenario. Like, the only reason you are ever in the mood to watch a Disney sequel is you have kids. And goddammit, you need to watch something else. I'm tired. This (laughs) This was a hard one. Man, I didn't expect it to be so rough to talk about. But, like, it's so... (laughs) There's nothing here. We got so bored talking about it that we just ended up doing other shit for a while. Thanks for listening to Direct to Video. VHS? I don't know what those noises were, man. That's cool. I just had to let it sit for a second. I have been your host, Tony Urbisto. And I have been your host, uh, Andy Reyes. <sighs> you can find me you on can Twitter find... at Theta There Bats. we go. <laughs> And you can find the mm-hmm. comic that I do, inspiredbytrueevents.org. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at royalty underscore Valens, and uh, you can also find more of us and our podcast here at direct2.video. We've got a bunch of, I think at this point we've got a pretty sizable catalog of awful things we've watched. Um, yeah, I believe it. we're at 
this will make 27? Oh, man. 27, and then on top of that, we got the DVD extras. Yeah. Which, hey, if you're into just us talking about BS, that's some stuff you can hit. I would also just uh, want to say hi to the audience of Lurg Bay. That's, that's Vita's Twitch name. Because um, I know that she sent some people our way. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it, though? And, uh, yep, yep. hey, if you want to go see a Twitch streamer who is on, I assume, like, once a week, she has, like, a real job, <laughs> go over to twitch.tv slash blurgbay, B-L-U-R-G-H-B-A-E. Uh, she's good. I watched her, I watched her die a lot in a, a game I didn't understand. But I'm, I'm not a game person. It was just a, it was just a platformer. You know, like a platformer, but with an alien or something. That how does that help me at all? I don't know the name of the game. I'm just telling you what it was. It's a platformer, but you're an alien. You're like a squid monster. I would like to thank Lee Rosevere for our ending song, Planet E off the album Trappist One. Oh Jesus! Somebody driving near me has their subwoofer on so loud I felt my <laughs> whole floor vibrating. It's still going. <laughs> what is happening? Oh my god, that was the most horrifying experience I've ever had. Let's watch a goofy movie, an extremely goofy movie. Hell yeah. Did I ever talk to you about how I found out that, like... So, like, the Donald and his siblings have all this... All these comics about them. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, all like this huge lore. family tree. And Max appeared out of literally nowhere. Yeah. And does not have a canonical mother. Nope, he does not. Oh, that's so great and dumb. I love it. Yeah, Goofy has movies. two unconfirmed separate wives, though, from the old shorts. I am the ghost of John Smith. And I am an internet miscreant. If they make a live-action Pinocchio, I will fucking murder whoever's idea that was. That sounds horrifying. Tony, do you want to watch a wooden puppet turn into a real boy? I need to reveal something to you, Andy. Fuck you, no. You remember Geppetto? Yeah. No, Geppetto the movie. There was a movie? What? What are you talking about? I think it was a TV movie. Drew Carey was Geppetto. What? Yeah, so there was a live-action Pinocchio done by Disney... There was also at least one not done by Disney. So are we going to watch this? I mean, maybe eventually. I believe I would enjoy Geppetto more than I would enjoy Pinocchio. Okay, what you're thinking of is a TV musical. Well, it's a musical, but it's a movie. It's not like done on a stage. Why did Drew Carey do this? Because they were paying him. <laughs> yeah, but he's like not an actor. Because he had two shows with ABC. Sure, he's an actor. He wasn't. He wasn't a sitcom. Okay, but like anybody can be in a sitcom. Because he had two shows on ABC, and they said, "Do you want to also do a movie?" And he was like, "Yeah, this I don't is going to be my issue. breaking role." Well, no, I think he just wanted to do the movie. Wayne Brady's I, in it. That makes more sense to me. Wayne Brady is an actor. I don't know why you're shitting on Drew Carey so much. Julia Louis-Dreyfus was in it? What the yeah, fuck? She was a blue fairy. Brent Spiner? Geppetto was like the opposite of Pinocchio in that it was Geppetto learning a lot of lessons instead of Pinocchio learning a lot of lessons. 
Well, that's a more interesting movie for me, right? Right, because, well, with Pinocchio learning a lot of lessons, it's just... Uh, don't read the book, but there's, like, a Casey Green comic where he adapts some of them. Yes! I started reading that, and then I stopped because I was scared. There, It's, like, really depressing and awful. Pinocchio was always the shittiest person. And the lesson is always, like, don't talk to strangers and don't be selfish. But it just happens a million times. It's, like, 300 after-school specials after another. Except, like, teens die. I mean, it's more over-the-top stuff usually happens. Sorry, they get turned into donkeys and then worked to death. Where it's like, I see, I never got to the part where they get turned donkeys, because he didn't finish the comic to that point. <laughs> but, like, there's a bit where Pinocchio ends up in the ocean, and then on an island. And the fairy, who had died from grief because he... He had, he had disappeared, showed up again. He was like, holy shit, you're alive. And also, Jiminy Cricket was there, even though he killed that fucking cricket the first time he saw it. It's a wild story, and it should not have been made into a movie, and neither should have been made. <laughs>